This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 289, Super Argent Flight Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Oh, Hunter, I want to lead you right off with some very good. I've got, hey, we got we got errata for last week's episode. This is critical. Oh, awesome. This is critically important business here. Oh, my God. What is it? 2017? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's okay. do some errata. Some errata here. Uh, it's, it is Absol's official lore-based. See, this is why we knew we could get away with not being fully lore-based, because we knew Absol was just going to step in anyways and give us the lore, the pure lore uh, ranking of morality of factions. Do you want to hear it? Can I give it to you right yeah, now? Yeah, so this is, the, you're going to quickly do, a, you're going to go through an entire ranking at the top of this episode yes, right out, right that out trumps last week's yeah, topic. That's exactly right. You do so not need to you, listen to last week. Wow. You just have okay. a good a good 45 seconds here of just Let's like... Let's go ahead and decanonize yes. last week. Hey, you know what? We could delete it from the feed if you want. It could just be a gap week. And people be like, why didn't they record one this week? Well, they did, but they it just did. didn't survive. It was just, it was negated, unfortunately. So <laughs> here is the official lore answer from Absol, the, the lore goddess. Number one at the top, Extra, Extra Kingdom. Turns out not so much our, you know, we, we doubted the, the purity of the Extra. I but, don't know. They were top three for us, if I remember sure, correctly. Sure, they were. They were. They were number three. But uh, it's still. It's it's extra. Number two. Here's a surprise for you. The nomad. She believes the nomad is altruistically good and is doing the right thing. Wow. Well, yeah. that's just like your opinion. Okay. <laughs> like that's not that's not factual. I thought that was supposed to be lore based. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, Nazroka seems on point. Number four, Titans. We were in a similar kind of vein there. Number five, Sar. We doubted the Sar. Absol says nope. They're just doing everything those little puppies can. Uh, number six, Mentak. Uh, turns out Mentak all all good in in Absol's camp. Whatever. This piracy, is made up in the joke. Piracy, not a big deal to Absol. Number seven, the Ghost of Creus, which is I think one of the very few we had it exactly right. That is plus or minus nothing ghosts. We were correct on. We did it, Hunter. Uh, Yay! Number eight, Council of Calaris. We did not believe in the power of bureaucracy, but uh, Absol does. Uh, Council of Calaris are up there. Number yeah, nine, Argent Flight, something we were uh, much higher on, actually. Uh, felt way better about the Argent. She says, eh, not so much. Number 10, Empyrean. Number 11, Arborek. I think we're in a similar boat with Arborek. I think we were on the money with Arborek, not being yeah. bad, really. I feel good Yay. about that one. Number we're 12. So smart. Yeah, we're so smart. Uh, number 12, Isarl. Number 13, dead on the money again. It's Hakan. They are the 13th most moral faction. We did it. Yeah. Uh, 14 is Winu. We really did not like Winu compared to this. Uh, so, yeah, Win Winu way lower. Uh, next up, another dead on. And our last dead on, Embers of Muat. We are exactly right that Embers of Muat were the 15th most moral faction. Number 16, Soul. We did not like Soul. This is our biggest disparity, I think. No, that's not true. Empyrean is our biggest disparity. Uh, 11 points off with Empyrean. Is that wow. right? 
No, we Nalu, suck. Nalu, we're 11 points off. Sorry, we haven't even gotten to how bad we did with Nalu. Uh, anyways, where was I? Number 17, Sardak Nor. Number 18, Yin. Those two are exactly flip-flopped in ours. So we just okay. we just flipped the numbers on Sardak and Yin. We basically got it. We basically got it. 19 is the Barony Letnev. Only a few points off there. Uh, number 20, Jolnar. No, I'm going to call Absol wrong on this one. I'm sticking yep. to our guns. That oh, Jolnar, Jolnar is at the bottom and they suck. Number They're 21, Nalu Collective. Again, we were 11 points off uh here not uh we we had some hope for nalu being not so bad absol says no nalu is truly a deplorable faction worse even than the fish number 22 the l1 z1x another uh decently large disparity uh we we had a lot more confidence in the l1 uh, actually that's the biggest disparity excuse me i'm just seeing the numbers plus 13 we're believers we're trying to spread the propaganda of the l1 z1x uh well yeah, yeah. Number 23, number 23, the Necrovirus, number 24, Mahawked, and number 25, Cabal, which is not too far off from the rest of our stuff, except for the correct answer, which is Jolnar at the bottom. So there you go. There's your actual maybe right answers, except for we have the fish wrong, the fish are mean. Yeah, well, I just feel like the worst has to be a university, right? <laughs> I mean, who likes college really yeah. i mean yeah. it's a horrible thing it was made up yeah. it's basically a trap yeah. you know knowledge is for power Americans, it is. knowledge is power and power is ganondorf's part of the triforce so exactly sounds bad to me yeah that's why we mind our own business and play stupid cardboard games here on <laughs> space cats peace turtles we are not looking for power at all we are looking for simulated power yeah we're, we we want to just sit and dream that we might have power someday for our entire lives. That's what we're looking to do. Can I? Can we talk about the Argent Flight? Do you want to do that? Is that a thing we can yeah. segue into? I would love to yeah, talk fine. about. Why not? Um, maybe. Um, uh, my my second favorite faction of the POK set. I like Argent Flight. Hey, it's Argent Flight. It's the birds. How does that score then overall for you? You you kind of that was a big disclaimer there. Number two of seven is actually not super impressive, I would say, <laughs> depending on how the POK factions do overall. You know what I mean? It's kind of a weird that's kind of a weird comment. Um, yeah. So why I, not just tell I, us where I, they rank the on your overall? I'll put I don't know. I'll I'll say top five, even though I don't know if that's true or not. I like I like Arjun a lot. I think they're great. I I don't win with them. I get to nine points like every single time. Who do you win with, Matt? Tell huh. us. Yeah. Who, who are Whoops. you winning with? Uh oh. Uh, well, I, 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 there's nothing written down. I don't know. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so Arjun is a top five for you. Not sure exactly where, though. But they sure. can't be number one or two. No. Well, I guess they could be number, be number two. two. No, Nasroka and Jolnar do rank higher for things I like to play as. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I also very much like Argent Flight quite a bit. Um, I don't know if I would put them in my top five overall. Uh, but I do tend to... I find Argent Flight to be sort of the Mentac coalition of POK. Yes. In that they have a non-traditional tech path where you don't have to do blue stuff, which is cool. They also and yet, are, I'm looking at our notes for later. Hmm, well, interesting. We'll talk about that blue later. Is always an option. <laughs> it's always, it's never going away. But uh, you can play a lot of games as Argent Flight and never research yes. blue, which it's is true. really cool. And yeah. we're excited to talk about that today. Yeah, they are uh, the best 
uh, artwork, the best new flavor. Here's the thing, actually. So, original TI, there's a lot of good, it's the turtle faction, it's the cats faction, right? We got a lot of good animal representation. And P.O.K. was a bunch of weirdos. We got Mm -hmm. dinosaurs that I get yelled at every time I call them dinosaurs. The Cabal are dinosaurs, and I don't care what Absol says, they're dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, they're definitely dinos. I mean, the- they act like dinos and they look <laughs> like dinos. It's it's basically we're back a dinosaur's tail over there. Uh, yeah. But what we what is definitely clear is the Argent are the bird faction, which is great. We have a bird faction. Yes. They get to fly between their little planets. The theme of their home system is like there's literally the planets are like kind of sort of close enough together that you can just sort of there is like a there is an environment between the three planets. There's no way that makes any actual physical sense but there's some yeah, sort of mystical thing going on. you just described it but what's the matter how do they're just really close together <laughs> and they haven't what? collapsed in on it their gravitational pulls have not oh know. my god what are you some kind of scientist you're putting on your science hat now you're gonna use science on us wait you some don't know what, even what you're talking you don't yeah. even know what you're talking about right now I why are you throwing that at us can yeah. we just both say we don't know that it's not possible and just <laughs> believe i want to fly high matt okay can you just give us yeah, that you can you can have that uh they are the jailers of the mahawks so they're the good guys ostensibly they they are here to keep the mahawks at bay and uh, they've been given the crap job, <laughs> uh, the the one that no one wanted. They took on. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's actually why we rated them so high on our morality yeah. episode is because they're here doing a job, and that yep. job that they're doing is against probably the most obvious of the baddies. Yeah. Um. I mean, the Cabal are just dinosaurs. Dinosaurs aren't evil, Absol. Yeah, by the way, it's not out. like. If we got in a time machine and traveled back to the dinosaur times, we'd be like, look right. at all these evil dinos. You're going to look at Littlefoot and tell me that's pure evil incarnate evil. right there. Yeah, <laughs> Littlefoot. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna hit for our, our entire audience. Our target demo. Gonna, yeah, who, what, so many people right now are just like, Littlefoot? Who's Littlefoot? Listen, <laughs> Don Bluth was a lifestyle when I was a child, okay? You had two. You had Disney and you had Dawn. <laughs> and Dawn was just some guy, okay? And he had a weird taste in color, all right? And he did like dinosaurs quite a lot, which was very convenient for me because I also liked the dinosaurs, yeah, it's really okay? It works out pretty pretty great. Uh, okay, let's actually overview their stuff, though. What do you say? Can we? Should we talk mechanically about this faction? Absolutely. Let's get out of the lore discussion. We've done it. Congratulations to everyone. Yay. But let's do the real stuff now. Yeah. Uh, the Argent flights start with one carrier, two destroyers, that'll become relevant later, two fighters, five infantry, a space dock, and they're one of those factions that have a PDS at home, and huh. they have a very strange technology start. I still, for the life of me, can't understand. It feels like Dane ran out of ideas and was like, I don't know, Argent Flight needs a starting tech. Let's just throw spaghetti at the wall. Yeah, uh, because yeah. it says choose two of the following techs, which are Neural Motivator, the base green, uh, yeah. the base game, base green, Sarween Tools, base game, base ye- uh, uh, yellow, and Plasma Scoring, base game, base red, right? We introduced right. all these new techs in POK and Argent Flight is like, we like the old way. We prefer it, but we get a little bit of a choice for some reason. Yeah. And the choice, as we've discussed in previous episodes, is basically you got to make up an excuse to get Neural Motivator is sort of the idea of where we're at these days, right? 
Right. Um, it's Sar. I just ignore it. They yeah. start with Sarween and Plasma. Uh, they do not start with Neural Motivator. Uh, I have not heard in the. I mean, POK has been out for a long time. People have talked about the potential of Neural uh, Start. Yeah. And it's uh, none. I'm yeah. happy to report to everyone, and I will not be taking any errata on this position <laughs> at all. So go ahead, Matt. Go ahead and tell me whatever you're yeah. about to tell me. I'll I'll offer you the cutest thing I've seen, and it was, of course, okay. done by Cages, which is in one of our first Calera's games, we happen to be at a table with nobody starting with Sarween tools, and we're all kind of afraid of Calera's, especially those first few weeks, you know? It's like, I don't know. This yellow text seems crazy. So uh, Cages opted to not pick Sarween tools and chose Neural and Plasma scoring just to further block Calera's from starting with Sarween tools. That was the only rationale behind it. Uh, uh -huh. So that's as good a case as I can make for why you would start anything other than Sarween and Plasma. All right. Well, uh, I don't like that <laughs> <Yeah>. either. <laughs> uh, so uh, I would say that is why, why make your start that much harder yeah. just to stop Calera's from having uh, an easy time that they're going to have anyways. Can we at least confirm the one I would not fold on under any circumstances is plasma scoring. That's like that for me, plasma scoring is like clutch critical to what this thing has coming out of the gate, basically. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't know that I have a preference over Sar like Sarween and Plasma because they both get you a little bit of something. Yeah. And Neural gets you just kind of nothing. Uh, Sarween, you know, obviously helps us get to Hollow Lattice. So that's not nothing to, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's yeah, not our, nothing our to ignore. Our faction techs are shallow and yellow and red. So I don't know why it's not just yep. yellow and red start basically yeah, every time. True. Yeah, true. Putting the abilities even aside, it's just the tech, it's the paths you want to go down basically. You're going to save yourself a lot of heartache. It should have been like a really good green. Yeah. Like it should have been like hyper. Right. Or right. something like <laughs> they just that. Can like, choose hyper know, instead. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Something something like out of this world in the green, just to like really tempt me. Yeah. But no, uh red and yellow go perfectly with the faction tech, and there's just no reason to yep. throw that neural in there under any circumstance. Yep. I am H O. They uh, have three planets in their home system, one of two factions. The Birds and the Hakan have three planets in their home system. Yep. And uh, the Argents are a breakdown of a zero resources, two influence planet, a one resource, a one influence planet, and a two resource and zero influence planet. I will note, those are better numbers than Hakan's. Hakan has that super sure. annoying zero one, and then the like one, two, or whatever it is. I don't, I can't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know that I like Argents more as a layout of uh, of breakdown. However, still not a lot of cash at home. Right, and the other thing is obviously Hakan. So one thing I've learned about Twilight Imperium in all this time is that the Hakan tend to make money, yeah. um, and the Argent don't. So right. having <laughs> a bad home system for Argent is a little more of an actual weakness or problem, Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that whenever we get to problems and That's strengths. Right. Yeah, so their abilities, uh, first and foremost, is zeal. Zeal is uh, you always vote first during the agenda phase, no matter your speaker order. Even when you're speaker, you vote first. When you cast at least one vote, cast one additional vote for each player in the game, including you, uh, so plus six votes in a standard six-player game. So this is a funny ability that is different based on how many 
players you are playing this is like yeah. the only thing that exists this is like a horrible three player uh, ability basically like two extra votes and i have to vote first every time like this is yeah, super that annoying sucks. that really sucks <laughs> yeah I, it's i would never play votes. argent in uh, three or four player games yeah. at all no way um it's a weird ability i mean it's not fun to go first during the agenda phase um, yeah. and it doesn't it definitely does not work out well for yeah. uh, argent i would say in fact their other abilities are uh, a lot more fun yeah yeah this is clearly a downside ability, though, even though they give right. you a, they make it less bad by having the bonus votes. But it, it, that's that's not a whole lot. Uh, their right. second ability, though, is raid formation. When one or more of your units use anti-fighter barrage, which units could we be talking about hmm. for each hit produced in excess of your opponent's fighters? Choose one of your opponent's ships that has sustained damage to become Damaged. Now, this is a lot of very specific wording going on here. So there are some FAQs we would like to present you with uh, that clarify what is going on with raid formation as an ability. So, Hunter, when is raid formation applied? After rolling or after assigning hits? Well, Matt, I'm <laughs> glad you asked. Raid formation is applied after rolling for canceling or assigning hits, which is a pretty weird way for it yes. to go down. But yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and our next one is, can ships damaged by... This is the, this is the one that's actually relevant. That first question, I, it comes up never. Okay, so don't worry. Uh, but the second one, can ships damaged by raid formation trigger a window for the direct hit action card? This is actually a good question. This is actually... This comes up all the time. So yeah. no... Raid formation does not cause the ship to use its sustained damage ability. I hate the explanation. Yeah. It's like, it's, I, here's just what I want to say to the lister. Um, no, if raid formation triggers, you can't direct hit that. The reason is because instead of the ship using their sustained damage ability and thus triggering a uh, direct hit, they are just becoming damaged. Right. Which is a different thing. Different. That's, a, that's different. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're right. Yes, a different thing. So yeah, in our in our uh, hypothetical Twilight Imperium Fifth Edition, this would be one of those things where we're like, well, let's just clean this one. Let's just get rid of. Uh, you're not. I also just you're, don't. We're care. assigning damage. We're not sustaining damage. We are assigning right. damage. Right. Right. But okay. Okay. I just want to ask, why is it like this? Yeah. Why is it like this? Why, why can't not? you just direct hit off right. raid formation? A lot of people get dread too anyway, so you're not going to be able to direct hit those ships. Yeah, right. Now, are you? Be a lot cooler if you could. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Well, they have one other faction ability, which is that they have special destroyers, as we sort of alluded to in their start. They start with two destroyers. That would normally be pretty annoying, but hey, guess what? Our destroyers have one capacity. Other than that, yeah. they are normal destroyers. Anti-fighter barrage, nine times two, cost one, combat eight. Uh, move on a two. Oh, wait, that, that combat is an improvement. Excuse me. Uh, they they yes. fight a little bit better. Uh, their anti-fighter barrage is not improved, but they have capacity on those eight destroyers out the gate. They can move stuff around with them, which means yeah. your start is actually a carrier with four capacity and two destroyers, each with one capacity. So those right. five infantry you can kind of do a lot with them uh, at Absolutely. home. Absolutely. Yeah, so we are definitely not this week complaining about a lack of... 2C4I, considering yeah. we have 3C5I, we're very satisfied over <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, their mech is the Airy Sentinel. It does cost two, combat six, sustain damage. The ability is pretty cheeky fun. This unit does not count against capacity if it is being transported 
or if it is in a space area with one or more of your ships that have capacity values. This is essentially to just say, as long as you have a ship with capacity, yep. as many mechs as you want to come can come. And it doesn't, it affects yep. nothing. Uh, it doesn't change you. So, so your destroyer at home can carry one infantry and bring four mechs with it if you want. Uh-huh. <laughs> or or it could carry one fighter and bring four mechs. Yes. It took me a while to in my head to work out what's going on here. Y'all, I think what they're saying is that the mechs are flying. That's what it is. They're like <laughs> the mechs are birds. Bird mechs. Because they're burbs. So yeah. then the mechs fly along with yeah. the thingies. So it's I just, think that's actually what's going on. The Ares Sentinel is actually just the helmet the birds put on to breathe in space. That's all. Yeah. That's all it yeah. is. Is is just a is just a big helmet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it took me a year or two, but I figured it out what was going on here. So you I'm happy to report. <laughs> the uh the flagship is the Quetzalcoatl which is a cost eight combat seven times two move one three capacity. Those are average stats. That's your baseline standard flagship. Nothing special. The ability is other players cannot use space cannon against your ships in this system, which is weird because sort of we're the one who likes space cannon kind of in the yeah. end because mm -hmm. of our abilities. Mm -hmm. We are. No, we do the space cannon. We're not afraid of other people's space cannon. We're the ones doing it which then means this flagship doesn't really serve a purpose that we need it for anything. Um, it's yeah. also like not a defensive flagship at all. So it's not like park it at home and you know, whatever, unless like you're only worried about the extra flagship moving into your home system. Of that course, is like yeah. literally the only scenario. So the idea is like, this is supposed to be an offensive flagship with its one movement with all your destroyers moving way faster than it. So it'll never keep up. Uh, I, I, it's not my favorite flagship is what I'm trying no. to say. <laughs> not mine either. Um, I would say that we, it won't, be touched on much for the rest of the guide yeah uh, i will say the only situations i can imagine are situations where you are very rich for some reason yeah and extra or jolnar is one of your neighbors yeah and you feel like it's gonna come down to some fighting between the two of you yeah um but you know i i i think beyond that it basically has no real potential i wish if it hit normal yeah if it hit two on a five uh maybe maybe right. it would be a little be cool, better be cooler in that way yeah i mean i wish it had anti-fighter but i wish it was like the starflash so i just wish it had even more anti-fighter rush but i guess that's probably overkill doesn't matter yeah. hey let's talk about yeah. their leaders we've got our agent trilosa on Mirik. when <laughs> yeah sure why not when great a player job. no no you did great <laughs> when a player produces ground forces in a system you may exhaust this card that player may place those units on any planets they control in that system or any adjacent systems. So this is uh, a sort of a very easy agent to forget, except for the fact that you specifically need this for your home system. You have the three planet home system. You have sort of a weird dock problem. It's really right. nice and convenient that you can once per round on your big production spread the infantry out rather than having the whole thing where it's like oh they're only coming out of this space dock i don't have time to move them to those other two planets we got a whole issue here you can just build them on the other planets it's not a big deal right yeah it uh it also has some niche uh uses in the late game i would say um we're going to talk about hollow lattice in a little bit but that is a tech that will allow you an alternate production uh, where you might be interested in placing a mech in a weird place yeah. off of it is something I've seen people do that's kind of cheeky. Uh, right. Overall, though, I will say if you're using this agent to try and protect your home system on the ground, that's probably not even really worth it that yeah. much. To right. be honest, I find often, uh, oftentimes I am interested in placing my infantry 
like almost outside of the home system yep. underneath like a carrier that is sitting next yeah. to my home system yeah. is like kind of more where it comes up. But honestly, it's not a super important agent. You don't need to think about it too much. Yeah. And and you're also like, I don't know that you're even selling it that often either. Like no, you're just kind of using it and nobody cares to, to pay you for it or anything. Your commander is Traken on Zulok. That feels like a, I don't know, a band singing that Traken on Zulok, like yeah. a death metal. Okay, anyway. Yeah, it kind of sounds like death metal. Yeah. Our uh, unlock for it is to have six units that have anti-fighter barrage, space cannon, or bombardment on the game board. And I would like to note for you right now, you start with two destroyers and a PDS. You're already halfway there. You're halfway <laughs> uh, there, baby. So the ability is when one or more of your units make a roll for a unit ability, any unit ability, the three I just listed are the three unit abilities, anti-fighter brush, space cannon, and bombardment. You may choose one of those units to roll one additional die. So it's like plasma scoring, but it also applies to anti-fighter barrage, basically. Yep. Yep. Um, it's very good and useful. And a lot of times people forget about the anti-fighter barrage part. So right. you got to remember if you're playing in uh, TTS, TTPG, or if you're playing using the real life mod uh, to turn that th that sucker on and make sure to roll the appropriate amount of dice yep. uh, for even AFB. Um, it's good. I would say the commander is actually the agent and the agent is yeah. nothing. That's how I think <laughs> exactly. of agent. <laughs> Yeah, because it's also so easy to unlock this commander round one. I mean, literally, right. I do the secondary construction. I'm up to four. I build two destroyers at home for two bucks, which I don't We're have done. a lot of money. I'm probably doing that anyways. <laughs> Boom, we've unlocked our commander. So this is a very, very common first round build. And then you've got, you know, these scary PDS firing three shots. One single PDS has its role, its plasma scoring role, and your commander role, right? That's pretty good for a single PDS. That packs a punch. Um, finally... Our hero is Helix Protocol as an action. Move any number of your ships from any systems to any number of other systems that contain one of your command tokens and no other player's ships then purge this card. So again, you can kind of pick up ships wherever and send them to places you've already locked down. Right. So in theory, this is like a defensive ability. Although we have certainly seen the, like, you left the space adjacent to your home system empty, and if I drop a token there, it means my next action can hero a big old fleet adjacent to your home system. It's that locked, down, locked down, yeah. but it's there. So yep. this, I feel like this hero has taken a long, or, or did take a long time to figure out, like, if it's any good or not. I feel like at this point I've seen it used very cleverly enough times that I'm it's on the pretty good side even though it has its obvious setbacks. I think it's a little bit of a Christmas land component. Sure. Where you're not going to build your strategy around this hero, but it is important to not forget yes that this hero is there because the stars could align and you could find that this is actually going to be a big deal for you. Um the most common I think besides defending your home system, which it's almost always going to be good for that, right? Yeah. Um, but what, I mean, who cares? Like, right. neat. Uh, but the the kind of better example use, use case, I feel like, is it's round four. It's the end of round four. The person who is going to need to be Winslade next round yep. has already passed. Yep. They've left the system adjacent to their home system empty. I hero into that system from across the, the table... And now I'm there so that first action on my next turn, I can invade yep. the home system. Now, 
is Argent good at invading home systems? <laughs> Not really. Right. So I would say that overall, this is something that if it's going to come up, it's going to be a pretty specific scenario anyways. Yep. Um, also, don't forget about, you know, finding a way to sneak into Malice, et cetera, via this. Um, it's, I don't know. It's it's okay. Right. It's, it's okay. fine. I actually think people think of too many clever ways to use it. And Argent is just very often in a strong position in the late game, which is why this as a defensive maneuver is great and fine. <laughs> like, yeah. just like you finish the round, just kind of scale some things back or whatever. You know, you, you went out of your way to go score that brave the void action phase secret right and then you can just pull them back home they don't they don't have to right. hang out out there or whatever it is like i i feel like i honestly don't see it used that way and if i feel like i see people trying to mind palace really beautiful ways to use this and you know half the time it even works there is some important uh, errata uh, some faq for this ability as well this relates to the l1 z1x stuff the mahawk stuff so we've kind of brought this up before but the question in the faq is please confirm the rules regarding transport and movement abilities. Uh, this is essentially an ability that I think changed. Like the ruling of this ability yep. changed over time. So right. Hunter, can you explain what we are allowed to now do with this hero? Yeah, so transportation of units out of systems that contain your command tokens are only applicable during tactical actions. During movement abilities, you can transport units out of systems that contain your tokens. Yes. Uh, even in that explanation there, it's written kind of weird, but the point is you can use a hero movement ability like the three that we've listed yep. and transport units during that movement. Right. That's from, the important part. From locked down systems. They can, they can come yes. out of whatever they need to. The idea that a unit cannot move from an activated system is a rule that applies specifically to tactical actions. That is the idea. Right. Any other ability that says move stuff is not following the command counter rule is essentially the idea so that that's yep. the way to frame your mind when thinking about this ability the l1 hero the mahawk hero many things right they are they all can be pulled from these activated systems because it's the ability moving the stuff not a tactical action okay with that out of the way let's talk about their promissory note strike wing ambuscade ambuscade when one or more of your units make a roll for a unit ability. Choose one of those units to roll one additional die, then return. Sounds familiar. Hey, guess what? It's the commander, which is yep. really funny because we have the commander, which has the alliance card, which means we can give someone the alliance to do this ability, but we also have this on tap as a promissory note to just also sort of do whenever. So we have two cards doing effectively the same purpose in different forms. Yeah, I actually feel like this promissory note being this way sort of hurts like... yeah the logic of you even selling the alliance because mm -hmm. it's like if you try to ask for money for it someone can be like well you know what i'm just gonna it doesn't matter like if i need it <laughs> i'll just buy the promissory note from you um the alliance is more like an investment where i'm hoping it pays off for me but maybe right. it doesn't i don't know I, yeah. I feel i feel pretty weird about it i think it's kind of lame that we have this repeat yep. of options here yeah uh they have three commodities so they're on the mediocre path of uh trading money stuff and again with this this promissory note the sellability of it is you know we'll talk about it later but it's matching another component we already have uh let's talk about their technologies though of course we start with an up a, a different kind of destroyer so we need to be able to upgrade that so the combat increases to seven uh the move increase the move doesn't increase the capacity doesn't increase the cost doesn't change the afb is the normal change uh, three dice on a six and then you get this weird addition to your uh, ability because remember 
Raid formation is a faction ability that has right. to do with your anti-fighter barrage stuff. This is a separate ability from that, and it is when this unit uses anti-fighter barrage, each result of 9 or 10 also destroys one of your opponent's infantry in the space area of the active system. So again, infantry on planets don't apply here. We're talking about someone invading us, basically. Infantry on a right. carrier can get surprise sniped. So it means your destroyers have this offensive capability with their capacity, but they also have a defensive capability because it makes it really hard to punch through. It, it like feels like Graviton laser systems, right? Where you're like, ah, the carrier's not enough. Like I need this sort of like extra pile of stuff to do anything mm -hmm. against you. That's kind of the feeling of Strike Wing Alpha 2. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of rough though the fact that it's on a nine or ten, yeah. so it's it's not exactly ability that you can count on. And I want to say that I think overall this tech has taken some hits in uh, the minds of some players because yeah. it does feel like you're not actually really getting anything for the upgrade. To which I would counter, <laughs> you're getting Destroyer Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Destroyer Two is really good for you. Yeah, that's what I think yeah. about this tech. And why I'm still going to rep recommend it today in the guide yep. is that like d having Destroyer 2 with a capacity yep. of 1 is really awesome. Plus right. your mechs and everything else. Like it, 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 it could have been like the fact that you get the little extra 9 or 10 thing, that's fine. But to me, that's just a little extra on top. Yeah, uh, th there is an FAQ for this as well because it's kind of a confusing role of what's happening with these infantry. Does Strike Wing Alpha 2 infantry killing get prevented by shields holding or and or re-roll abilities? <laughs> and the answer yeah. is, the, hmm. is the strangest of them all, I think. Yeah, so the rolls from Strike Wing Alpha 2 can be subject to re-rolls before the ability is applied, but the infantry would be destroyed before any cancellation of hits yeah so the answer is going in kind of two <laughs> different directions <laughs> instead of one direction starring harry styles uh so yeah. the yeah it's it is essentially the the infantry die regardless it's it's sort of like uh joel nars flagship right has this also like oh if you roll a nine or ten crazy stuff happens um, although this is distinctly like not even that basically this is just to say uh you you can <laughs> you can reroll but you can't block the hit basically yeah so you so it's it's in fa it's you know what it is it's ruling in favor of argent yes and against the other person right so what it's saying is you can reroll and try and get that 9 or 10 uh, but the other person can't try to cancel this ability yep. via action cards right. that soak hits. So, so that's fun. There you go. Nice and confusing. Their other tech is a one yellow requirement, which if you follow this guide, you started with Sarween tools, which means you can pick this up any old dang time. Uh, it is called Airy Hollow Lattice, and it is other players cannot move ships through systems that contain your structures. This overrides... Uh, light wave deflectors. Light wave. Yep. So not only can you just leave this airspace naked above if you wanted to, it also, you could have the ships there. Doesn't matter. Nobody goes through your structures. Secondarily, each planet that contains one or more of your structures gains the production one ability as if it were a unit. Again, that's the planet gaining the production. It's very confusing of like specifically how it's working. And I want to note too, 
two PDS on one planet does not equal production two. It is just that the planet gains production one. What's cute is this is applied to structures, which means technically our space docks, if we get aero, airy hollow lattice, we're like halfway on the way to space dock two already. Like uh -huh. space dock two That's is hilarious. even more stupid because all space dock two is increases our total by two. And we do half of that with just airy hollow lattice and we don't need the fighter thing <laughs> that, that space dock two grants us. So it's just like here, here we are. We just, we, we, we just need airy hollow lattice, even though that also in researching, it gives us the prerequisites for space dock two. We still never research it. <laughs> What's good about this ability though, is that it's regular old production, meaning that it will mm -hmm. work with Sarween tools that we started with. So yep. that's neat. Uh, yeah. It's fine. It's not something it's not, saying produce it's saying production one yes. which is what we kind of wish they all said yeah. to be honest It'd be but. great if they all did that so so argent ends up feeling a little bit like uh titans right titans pds also have a light production on them you yep. can so again you get this you have a pds at home already you got a space dock there you probably put that on your four resource when you get this your space your, your home system automatically jumps up to a six production planet without you having to change anything without you adding any structures at all just getting aerial airy hollow lattice bumps you up by two for the two right. structures on your two different planets uh so that's nice uh and then of course you can have these little micro forward docks it's a cute tech it's kind of the it's basically the better of the two but i don't even think i write home about it these days either i mean the, the whole idea i feel like with these factions is both these faction techs are good enough to go for and you and it fits with sort of the rest of a tree in some way i don't know what's what's your take do you i mean do you do you really dig on hollow lattice i like strike wing alpha 2 more than i like uh hollow mm -hmm. lattice um even like that's how much i think destroyer 2 right uh, is the right unit upgrade for specifically this faction yeah uh hollow lattice is is good but it it's more for the production i find yes. than it is for the, the stopping units part that part they're going to figure out a way around if they if if they uh, are seeing that you're going to be the winner right um and so it's not really going to stop anybody however it can help you out in situations where you're kind of lagging behind and you sort of get into the winner's chair late in the game because it does make it so that there is there is a lot of finagling people have to do in order to invade right. your home system uh, it does suck that it is a slice-dependent tech as far as how effective it is. There are yeah. going to be some slices where you play Argent and you're like, Hollow Lattice isn't going to stop anyone from right. getting to my home system, and that's a bummer. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm currently playing an async game where two of the systems adjacent to my home are empty tiles, and one of them got the Ion Storm, and there's another wormhole near, like another empty wormhole near. I have like an entire right side that's just like, I don't have a way to defend that besides, I guess, Strike Wing Alpha 2s or something. So we'll see right. how that goes. So yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a bad feeling when you get kind of not the right layout of a slice. They they would really like, uh, uh you know, surround your planet with with planets surround your home system with planets and just like get a pds on each or whatever but like hunter said even that isn't going to like save you so it's definitely about the uh the production however i do find sometimes that's like what you just need in the early game like i don't think airy hollow lattice is like a, this critical part of a broader tech path but i think it's sometimes it's like i need it round one i just or, or i need it round two to sort of like kind of fix a couple things that are going on it's just easier to get it right now and not have to worry about it or whatever the, the production capacity at home being the big one a space yeah. dock on the two resource planet is pretty annoying and you're a single tech away from just fixing that so i don't yeah. know 
I would say also that it's a better fix than just yeah. even throwing down another space dock. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, that's all of our components. Let's. Uh, can we talk about our problems, our issues as the Argent? What are the What are the adversities we face? Yeah. So we've sort of covered all of these a little bit, but it it, it is good to kind of you know chunk them all here and mm -hmm. just say the home system is not great. It's three planets. That's annoying. It's kind of poor. It's poor on resources. Uh, it's kind of, it's well, it's not horrible on influence, but it's spread across the planets in a way that's uh, annoying. Mm -hmm. um, I, it makes us kind of a poor faction, I feel like, early. And it makes us really slayable in the late game if the table wills it to be so. Right. Hollow Lattice, of course, that we just covered, is very dependent on what type of slice we're in and positioning of planets. Um, so, therefore, it can't even be counted on as like a wind slay uh situ or uh preventing the wind slay kind of situation yeah. and then our dependence on strike wing alphas can sometimes lead to a very weak late game yep. um the strike wing alpha twos are great they do not cut it just on their own yep. they are not a swiss army unit um because by the time we get to round five generally speaking they're not packing quite enough punch, yeah. I feel like. I always feel so, like going into round four, I'm looking at my fleets as Argent, and I'm like, uh-oh, I feel like I don't have... I felt good rounds one, yeah. two, and even three, and then there's just like a, a, a knife's edge turn where it's just like, whoop, oh, this all feels bad now. None of this is right. I don't have the stuff <laughs> correctly. You get to take a bunch of stuff easy early, and then you're like, oh, shoot, I have to... I If, if you didn't plan for the new plan after the strike wing alphas you will feel it in a major way and i'm a bad plastic producer so that's usually the position i end up in is i've got all these destroyers and not another unit to ring home to <laughs> yeah i will say this is a good week though because i feel like all of these problems are very solvable yeah. by either other aspects of the faction that we want to emphasize or by the various tech paths that we will talk about whenever we get to tech yeah so uh, what are we what are we really good at then? What's our strengths? I think we're good at a lot of stuff. Um, first of all, I think we are the scrappiest yes. faction in all of Twilight Imperium. We have a very cheap central unit that does basically everything we need doing until, of course, the late game. Our <laughs> mech ability is, I think, unbelievably good. Yeah. I think it's like almost even underrated how good it is right. um, because it just creates all these opportunities that flexibility of being able to load all of the mechs on any capacity unit yep. and just suddenly throw an unhealthy amount of mechs at like a weird place they didn't even think about you being able to go to right. is awesome. Um, our tech path is a little more tricky than some factions because we don't start with a blue. Yeah. We're going after kind of weird sort of non-traditional stuff here. And I like that, but at the same time, it can get you kind of stuck in yes. going and in, in feeling like you don't have enough flexibility um, if you're going up against, you know, a lot of blue tech factions. You can feel a little more specialized, I feel like, in a way that can be bad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I with, with tech, what I always find myself ending up doing, because I think part of it is a philosophy problem where I end up, we haven't talked about this really yet, but we have kind of a a need for command tokens like doing fancy destroyer stuff in the mid game i think sort of necessitates a good token economy we right. have a little bit of that at home like we, we have a baked in bonus to token economy with our zero two planet but i always find myself jumping on a slice really low and resources high in influence if i'm playing any sort of multi-draft or whatever right that's just like where you end up with argent it's it's not a part of the faction but i think, feel like strategically it's really common for you to end up in a low resource uh slice which then means I always feel like 
I can survive with really low tech because I don't want to use all my resources on tech every single round. I'm not a tech-dependent faction, which means I end up just being like PDS2 and Airy Hollow Lattice, and then if I need more later, I'll do it. But maybe that's all I get, or or PDS2 and Strikewing Alpha 2 or whatever, you know? But like, I stay extraordinarily shallow and don't do anything else because I want to get the units on the board. And sometimes I literally struggle to even do that, right? I I have like five Hmm. total dollars in my slice or whatever. Yeah, I would say the problem I have with that approach, Matt, is that the only way you're winning that game is if they are basically asleep Mm -hmm. at round, by by the time we get to round five, or you are the surprise, you were fourth to win, and now suddenly everyone's been slayed and I am going to be the person. I feel like they do need some tech in order to develop to that late game stage yeah, yeah. more so than than just like a few right so it does feel like plotting the tech out is like really tricky right or um argent i definitely always feel like i'm failing to come up with the direction i want to go in so that's why i'm excited we'll, we'll have the conversation we should note one of their other big strengths their perhaps their their biggest noteworthy strength is we start with two movement uh capacity units which means we're a warfare away from taking custodians round one or sometimes other methods as well. But like we are a custodians faction for sure, whether it's round one or first action round two. It also only costs us a destroyer and an infantry to get there. We have the cheapest snatch mm-hmm. of custodians. Yeah, absolutely. And even uh, one of the things that so there's going to be a video coming out on the YouTube on Monday uh, that is some gameplay footage of me playing uh, as Argent. And I ended up being able to take custodians via a gravity rift. But the whole thing was I was able to send more than one destroyer through the right, rift. Right. So in a normal situation, oh my God, sending one capacity, one of our capacity units through the rift. Ah, oh, this is such a risk. And I'm over here just being like, well, it's just three resources right. and I'm going to get through because they're not both going to die in the rift. And guess what? They both made it. And then they ended up getting to do other things as well. Yeah. So yeah, we, we are really good at taking custodians and it not really feeling like the biggest risk financially it is a little bit tricky as far as like maintaining a good level of i'm i'm you're not going to bully me are you you know like that type of of thing you do have to watch out for um i will say that we do have like it's an interesting situation because um normally for a faction like this we would probably spend a lot of time talking about production capacity and like how bad it is for us right um but because of strike wing alphas it really isn't much of an issue yeah. I find that hollow lattice plus the single um, space dock at home means we can kind of make it through most games without actually having to worry about either getting another space dock. Although, of course, you can because you're gonna. You, w- when we talk about strategy cards, we'll talk about how important construction can be yeah. to Argent. Um, but you don't. You don't necessarily have to in order to have a good, strong plastic flow. I yeah. feel like in a in a game as Argent. Yeah, I think you feel this the most. Again, in that early and mid game, it feels like no one can even touch you, I, I, I find, in, in Argent games, which is why sometimes you can even get a little greedy, but it's a faction that isn't always punished too hard getting greedy, or if you are punished, you can sort of survive, uh, you know, some table punishment in round four or whatever. So let's transition then and talk about that complicated tech path and sort of what our big decisions need to be. Um, so we have, of course already multiple times addressed 
uh, PDS2, and then Hunter, you said you lean a Strikewing Alpha 2 focus, mostly because Destroyer 2 is just wicked good, especially in the hands of a faction where we're encouraged to build a lot of Destroyers, basically. Yeah, so I would I would um, use kind of an old way of putting it uh, that we used to do on the show, which is I would say that Argent has some core tech, yeah. and then that they require supplemental tech, but that supplemental tech can go in a couple different directions. Yeah. So I would say the core tech that I would probably get in almost every single Argent game uh, would be PDS2 and then Strikewing Alpha 2. I just like both of them too much. I feel, or I feel like they allow us to accomplish two things. Strikewing Alpha 2 lets us be cheap and strong in the yeah. mid game. Yeah. And PDS2 keeps other players from getting away with too much of bullying us. Right. So like in the situation where we take custodians, one PDS2 and commander unlocked with plasma start means we have three PDS shots at home and in adjacent systems to protect ourselves if somebody is like, well, you took custodian, so I'm going to come over here and take this, you know? Yeah, right. And if we follow construction even once in round one or round two, that means we can also possibly extend that protection to the equidistant yep. um, or even Mechatol Rex, which is probably not a good idea in most situations, <laughs> but I don't know what factions you're going up against, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that gets floated, I feel like all the time, at least in Twitch chat, like what you see in games with Arjun is like, oh my gosh, there's a planet against uh, adjacent to Mechatol. They could take that and drop their first PDS. That's a PDS. Like they could block Mechatol, right? From everybody else. Nobody else can even take custodians, which I think has some validity as an idea, but it's also like, I don't know, that PDS could be way more useful in a lot of other places considering what your game plan is, right? It's way better right. when it's actually like solidly in our slice protecting good, important planets, not just... Like, I don't... We're a Custodians faction, not a Mechatol faction, right? That's kind of the right. idea here. We're not going to sit here and stay on Mechatol. We don't care. We're going to we're gonna hole up at home and ride the game out. So, yeah, I, I, I think massive defenses with these two techs is like a big deal. Um, okay, so let's say we have absolutely no tech skips in our path. We are on our own. What uh, tech do we want to go down? All right, well, I'm going to say something kind of weird here. So I like getting PDS2, and then I like getting AI development algorithm. Yeah. Wait, to do what? Uh, well, then we're going to get Strikewing Alpha 2. Guess what? We didn't use AI dev <laughs> to do anything yet. Uh, but AI dev is a rebate. It, it is a tech we could... A lot of people would talk about, oh, we should get self-assembly routines. I say AI, AI dev does the same thing yeah. and then will allow us to go into some interesting places in the late game. So we're getting AI dev as some sort of investment of we're putting money into this tech. That tech is going to get us some money back throughout the entire game. And right. also, listen to these supplementals we can go after. We can throw in a DET or an uh, anti-mass deflectors, depending on what kind of slice we got. And then we're opened up to Dread 2 or Carrier 2, which makes us a lot more effective in the late game. I would say having either of those doesn't really matter to me which sure. one, to be honest. It just has to do with maybe how much production you have. If you yeah. have less, I would go Dread 2. If you have more, I would go Carrier 2. I mean, a reminder here, <laughs> we're a Destroyer faction. We're also a Dreadnought faction. Uh, our, our plasma scoring that we started with and our commander both apply to the bombardment of our single dread that goes along with our stuff. So don't forget Absolutely. that when you have extra money laying around, dreads are like a big deal to your late game. We talked about, oh, you can be really weak. Not if you built one dread per round, like from two through four or whatever, right? Now now we have like a solid defense of dreads in our home system that can go do stuff. And then going for blue to, to give them the bonus movement means they're actually a part of our offense. So yeah, dread two is like a major player in this, I would say. 
Um, and then we can also talk about, if you want, War Sons, mm -hmm. with the caveat that you have to be able to afford to build them. Otherwise, I won't let you get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and and even if you picked a slice that's good for War Sons, as in it's high resource and low influence, no, bad, yeah. nasty, don't tell me about that. Right. You must have made some money through wheeling and dealing. That's right. the only way I'm going to let you get the War Sun. But hey, guess what? I'm We're mentioning it. We're talking about it. Go for it if it's going to work in your strategy. It is a decent late game augment to Argent's yeah. powers, okay? For sure. It's just a lot easier to get one blue and then go Carrier 2 or Dread 2. Yep. Um, the other two that I want to talk about are both Hollow Lattice, um, which is probably, but I probably should bump that up in the discussion here. Um, it is it is going to be useful a lot of the time, mostly for the production, as we talked about already. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Graviton Laser systems yeah. to help you survive the wind slay. Yeah. Okay. Graviton is the perfect round five. Guess what? I can get one more tech. Guess what? I'm winning this game. You know what? Let's just throw in Graviton and just see how they like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. One more complication on top of hollow lattice can really shut the game down in your favor. Yeah. Now, do I recommend getting Graviton before the late game? Absolutely not. It is not <laughs> some sort of bread and butter tech, but I would be remiss to not mention it. If you built a PDS network, it's probably going to help you massively. I'll give my only argument for a somewhat earlier Graviton, and it's just, you took custodians, and it's a campy set of objectives that are coming out, and the table recognizes the power of your threat, right? So, like, if, if the table's already talking about you in round three, Graviton might push even more to, to push them away. You know, if you don't need Carrier 2 to go do more stuff because the objectives are kind of falling in your lap, something I do think happens with Argent. Like, I think a lot of Stage 1s, we'll talk about this more later, but plenty of Stage 1s just kind of fall in your lap. And uh, if you have an aggressive table that's going to recognize that early and choose to do something about it, an early Graviton isn't going to hurt and will probably do more than Carrier 2 or maybe even Hollow Lattice, although the production increases from Hollow Lattice are more plastic on the board as well. So I don't know. I go back and forth. Um, one thing we didn't talk about at all, which is uh, that I, I feel like we should mention is DET. Uh, DET is a really nice tech for yeah. somebody that has a lot a big destroyer investment. Um, and the fact that we can kind of use our Strike Wing Alphas to gum and then transition into uh, let's bring them back in for either defending the home system or late game offense I think makes it a little bit of a smarter investment mm -hmm. than a faction that might be building just destroyers only for the purpose of like exploring things with DET. So I, I think DET is not like the worst idea in the world for them. Yeah. Um, th that being said, I do think in a situation where you have um, a blue skip, maybe going PDS2, AI dev, Strike Wing Alpha 2, and then skipping to Grav Drive, or even throwing dra Grav Drive in earlier is not a horrible idea. Also, fleet logistics is worth mentioning as something that can help you actually utilize your hero for, yeah. you know, like a, a specific purpose that isn't just like, eh, whatever. I yeah. mean, the, the fact that you could, I went and, and took this planet and uh, have now scored an action phase into I play hero to come back yeah. to defend my home system. That's, that's not a horrible idea. And also, fleet logistics in general um, is something that will win you the game sometime. So yeah. that's maybe a late game thing to throw in there. Um, but it definitely is an option. Yeah, I would say even more if you are actually really wanting to get cute, which, I mean, you don't know early enough. But if we're talking about the activate a random empty system with the intent of some big offensive fleet coming in, if you're not in like a that player has already passed kind of scenario... 
all they have to do is send like a destroyer to that system because you can't do your hero if there is an enemy ship there at all. So right. you can't get that cute with a token alone. So fleet logistics exactly. is token directly into the fleets already there and you don't have to worry about uh, an opportunity for them to to block you or whatever, which I have seen happen. I've seen oh the big plan and then you know the wind slay is on. So they're like, well, anybody can just send a cruiser there and we've completely cut off you know Argent's whole plan. So. Yeah, I think fleet logistics is good there. Um, and obviously, gravity drive is the kind of thing where here it doesn't always feel crazy useful because, you know, in, in plenty of scenarios, we're getting carrier two or dread two for the two movement to match our two movement uh, destroyers. But I'm also never going to balk at, at gravity drive. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say it makes our flagship relevant. It doesn't. The flagship still doesn't matter. <laughs> we, we, we're not a we're not a need grav drive for flagship to keep up kind of faction. Right. Um, a world where we get grav drive is one where I also consider not grabbing any extra unit upgrades, yes. which is a little bit scary, but it is a world where maybe dread ones or carrier ones will get us possibly through the entire game. Yeah. I don't know, a little spooky, but <laughs> it's definitely something that uh, that you could play around with. Um, as far as the rest of the skip conversation goes, there's really only one thing I care to talk about, which is if you have a red skip, assault cannon is an interesting thing to sort of throw into your late game suite. Yeah. Um, it combos nicely with the idea that we have like a lot of small ships and hopefully a large fleet supply. So it's going to give us a little bit more of a punch. The idea that we're going to AFB and assault cannon yeah. um, and raid formation before combat even starts. That's eh, a big deal. That, that's, that, that can be uh, potent. Is it worth it most of the time? Not, not really, not in a blind way. <laughs> yeah. But if you see a place where it can be used, I feel like um, you know there is a point in throwing it in there. Uh, with green skip, I almost have nothing to say. Perhaps yeah. Biostim's Graviton is something that you could think about as a potential way to defend your late game yeah. win, but even that is kind of dumb to me. Yeah, I'd only do that in like a super tech, like free tech off of agendas kind of world, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't know, I gotta spend it on something and I have the green right. skip, sure, Biostims, why not? Um, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my public service here, Hunter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw him a bone. I'm gonna say this out loud, okay? And I just, I don't wanna hear any guff about it. No, I, well, let me, before you even say it, I disagree with everything you're about to say <laughs> and I don't even know what it is you're about to say. Argent Flight is the best case I can make of any faction for integrated economy. It's Whoa, still no, come on. Will you at least couch it a little bit? Like, <laughs> what? there's no way they're the best case. Who's the best Maybe case for integrated? Probably Joel Nar is probably the best case. Just because we skip all the way there. But yeah, here's we my, have the money my, to do it. We can get it. But like, my argument here is integrated economy is capped at the resources of the planet, right? Which is mostly one and two out there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, most mm -hmm. of the planets we take, we can build very, very little with financially. We are right. not allowed to. It has nothing to do with how much money we have. It has to do with what the planet we're taking has. And guess what? Argent can build a destroyer and two infantry, and that is relevant to where things could go from there. It has the idea of integrated being like, I take this, but I instantly reinforce it so it's not easy to take back. That is a more solid idea in Argent's camp than other factions, in my opinion. If you are getting integrated economy in round four to build Strike Wing Alpha 2s, I feel like you are, it's, it's just a bad, it's a red flag. Mm. 
Mm. Because you probably should have all your destroyers out by that point anyways. <laughs> right. So why are you getting this complicated tech in order to build, hey, look, I got to build one extra destroyer <laughs> out here. I feel like there's no point to that. Yeah. Like if anything, the problem with integrated is that you can't use it to build a dreadnought in right. a weird place. That's why it's bad. That, that's <laughs> why it's bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's also why I feel like Jolnar is the best potential use case. Because, let's say Jolnar is going to a planet that has an attachment that makes it ridiculous. Jolnar, I'm pretty confident in saying into a vacuum, can't afford to just throw an extra dread down. But I don't know. Yeah. I think overall it's 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 futile. Yeah. It's, not, it's just, just there's, there's, no there's like four, there's maybe two planets on the whole map where they can actually put the dread down, where they're legally allowed to put the dread yeah. down. I would say exactly. for Jolnar's case, it's more about your infantry sucks, so it would be great to build four more infantry on the planet Eat. right away. <laughs> I like that. That's, that does make sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the similar argument goes for self-assembly regions. You kind of already put it uh, in the grave earlier, but to sort of reiterate it, your uh, mechs don't cost that much, and... Uh, you're building them as fast as you can because they're really good anyways. And you can af like you can afford to because all you have to do is afford a destroyer and a mech at a time, right? Like that that's a $3 strike force that does a lot. Mm -hmm. So in general, you're... I wanted... My idea for a game was like, I'm going to get self-assembly tunes. You know what? I got a yellow skip. I'm going to do integrated. And the longer the game went on, it was like, that doesn't make any sense. I already have three of my mechs out and I have nowhere I right. need to go in the late game where integrated is going to do anything for me. So I talked myself out of both situations, even though I wanted to believe. Right. Yeah. I just feel like Argent, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird, but it, it, it's like we add up to something good with all of these techs, right? Yeah. But we don't, we don't have that type of tech tempo where we're talking about throwing in something like predictive yeah it's it's like predictive is just as good with argent as as it is with anybody but we're not talking about it because it's too late yeah we got too many other things to think about right for me to be like ah oh, predictive you know like and predictive like is like it's in the path maybe to a thing you want and you had the skip at the right time and it's convenient to go ahead and get but it's like that's not the case at all here like we we have we have hollow lattice we don't have a need for this other stuff basically right and we're not talking about sling either right like that those when we talk about you know we're talking about a good faction if we're bringing up sling relay and predictive because what that means is it's a faction that has so much tech tempo yeah. that they're throwing in the really juicy supplemental stuff yeah but i personally think that the stuff that we've talked about today is the more obvious going to help in more games for you than something like sling or predictive but uh paradoxically if you do just happen to be getting a lot of extra tech this game, absolutely. Those are just as good yeah. as they always are, you right. know. Well, and I would sooner stick with the strengths of AI dev. And it's like, oh, I can go for War Suns maybe for the money. But also, we've gone down the red path already. Like, can we pick up Assault Cannon? We have these little micro fleets of a bunch of destroyers. Like, you mentioned that earlier, especially with the red skip. That is certainly a, a more favorable direction to go in than these sort of other things that require people to just not care about what you're doing that's what i always think about with integrated is like everyone has to just not care <laughs> that i'm doing right. this for it to actually work or whatever um right uh, speaking of not caring or caring can we talk about how we interact with the other people at this table can we talk about our tradables and how we wheel and deal with everybody else at our table yeah absolutely um let's start with uh what uh, a bit we call what are we selling <laughs> um <laughs> 
We can talk about the faction promissory note. We can talk about the alliance. They're both kind of situationally good, but not like absolutely good all the time. Yeah. Ambuscade should probably just be sold in the window it's going to be used in. However, it's also not so good that if somebody if somebody hit me up and was like, hey, I will give you, you know, a trade good or maybe two trade goods or a trade good and a fragment yeah. uh, for Ambuscade, I would probably just give it to him because it's like, how much am I actually going to make off of this? Yeah. Like, don't overthink it because it's not it's not very useful um, in general. Yeah. Uh, it's super useful for somebody like Jolnar that gets to re-roll it, right? But right. it's not... For everyone else, it's just kind of like, cool, I got a little extra. Now, I feel like a lot of times if someone asks you for it, it's probably because they're trying to score make an example, yeah. right? They want a little more bombardment roll right. so that they can try and score that. So if you do feel that it is for a point, then absolutely name a, a higher price than a yeah. single trade good. Well, that's but, the, the big reason I don't like to sell it outside of its window is, well, so obviously the biggest annoyance someone might give you is well i want it for defense right i want it for the defense because it's a space cannon thing it's going to boost my space cannon i'm sitting next mm -hmm. to an extra on my game and they kind of alluded to wanting it but there's a part of me that's like this one extra roll is not changing your defense <laughs> like it's really not like i know it's not right. actually so the real use of it is on that offensive potential and that means you can just come get it when you want it. I'm not going to just let you hold on to it for it to then not ever get used against you or whatever. Like I, I would rather have yeah. the option to sell it more times than not because I don't buy the, I need it for the defense argument basically. Yeah. I mean, I don't buy that either, but also like, I just, I I'd rather make money off stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes holding on to something like Ambuscade because you want it sold in the specific window is definitely like a compromise point. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to call out for, for sure. me. That part I can compromise on. Yep. Um, we have PDS2, and uh, I mean, if you're following this guide, hopefully you have uh, many, many PDS2 or some sort of PDS network, which yep. means uh, we get to troll toll a little <laughs> bit. It can be meaningful. This can be worth it. Yeah. Um, the way my policy with troll toll is uh, I will charge you a trade good unless it's important, in which case we might have to talk a little more about it. Right. But you can also just bring more stuff, and then it's like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm still going to fire, but it's not, you know, it's like, Either just just don't think you're ever gonna get it for free, yeah. and that's where we we start the the argument. So definitely don't just give up give up space for no reason. Try and get paid something yeah. for it. I had an awkward dilemma with Kaluin in a game, which was this conversation coming up, and I was like, you know, I don't. It doesn't feel right. I had actually also already like let one or two people slide on not having to pay for it. It's like, I'm just trying to be this uh, new, I'm trying to be a new me, new year, new me, which is like, don't be antagonistic to every single person at the table. Be the nice guy if you can. Um, so I was like letting people get away with a lot. And then suddenly it was like, I can't just like let Kaluin just start. It was, he was picking up my DET tokens. I wanted them <laughs> and he researched it faster than I could and was going for them. And I'm like, well, I'm sitting here with a way to prevent you from doing this. Shouldn't I be paid for it? And Kaluin had basically your retort, which is like, well, I can just build more plastic and send it your way. And that felt bad too. It was like, oh, I just encouraged the person to like send like three, three cruisers or like a dread and two cruisers my way or whatever. Like I don't necessarily love that so i don't know i i, I had a bit I of an inner turmoil great. there yeah that sounds awesome because that's more plastic they're com committing to just being in empty, empty space and yeah. doing nothing right and guess what it's plastic that's already inside of my pds network yeah what do i care it's also oftentimes when people move when people are moving ships into empty space 
they are committing to it kind of being there and then right. later they got to figure out how to get it out yeah uh if it happens to be something like a dreadnought or god forbid a carrier they're limited to whatever stuff is in that capacity right now as right. far as its eventual usefulness so i don't mind I don't mind at all. They're also sort of conveniently gumming my works for me in a mm -hmm. sense. So it's yeah, maybe, maybe I should have been more open to it. We ended up not really coming to a, a clean agreement on it, but I'm also just not confident in my negotiation anymore. That's that's my current thing I'm trying to work through in general is like, are we giving stuff away for free or are we playing tight? What's going on here? That's that's my mood. Every game is like, I don't understand the environment we're in anymore and uh, i'm bad i'm bad at navigating it i make enemies just from just from saying words people are like well we don't trust that guy obviously so i think I it's know. how you say the words it i is. think that's what it is it's an async game though i just typed it i didn't say anything i don't know man. I, oh okay but there's a lot of people listening to this show that have interacted <laughs> with you on the internet and they know what your typing voice is they've read it you know the caps know. lock speaks for itself i suppose mm -hmm. huh. the caps lock speaks um so yeah i i mean matt i would say to, to answer your question i would say like just just charge a dollar yeah. i just you know what i do from almost everything in the game yeah how much does it cost it costs a dollar it costs one thing for some reason everything costs one dollar <laughs> it, it's it's just a simple mm -hmm. easy system and you get the trades done very quickly yep. and people can just factor it in too the other thing that's good about establishing precedent as far as your relationship to the table is if you say something costs a dollar, then that other player can pl can plan yeah. on it costing a dollar. Right. So that way, it's easier for them to even incorporate it into their own play. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm my troll toll is almost always a dollar unless I feel like it's worth a point, in which case we'll have to talk about it a little more. All right. Well, let's talk about what we're buying. What are we um, buying? This is this is uh. There's definitely some stuff for us to buy. Yeah. Um. We're a three commodity faction, so we are. You know, we're not. Mr. Moneybags, but we're not, you know, we're not the poorest uh, faction out there. Um, I would say that a general trading strategy for Argent is be nice and yeah. keep it simple. Um, we don't need a lot of money to do well. Yeah. So many small trades versus one big overthought out, overly complex trade yeah. is probably preferable. Um, we can talk a little bit about alliances sure. that we want to look for. Uh, one thing I want to say about trade is just, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the, the trade strategy card here in a bit, but like, especially early game, like we're the ones with the movement out and about. So, you know, we have a, a decent number of opportunities for quick, easy, like X minus ones or whatever it might be. Like er, our early trade, we don't have a high commodity value, but we might have more neighbors than your average bear, basically, um, is is kind of my feelings on it. And, and also, it's going to lead to us liking trade. But yeah, let's talk about alliances, uh, because I don't think there's any that are game changers for us. There's none that break. You know, we don't have some crazy elusive combo, but mm -hmm. there are some things that I do like. The first one, uh, and these are not in any particular order. These are not in an order of preference, but... Um, you and Xcha, you know, you, you can get the Xcha commander, the Xcha alliance, and have kind of a voting block. And if what always comes with an Xcha commander thing is the idea that the two of you are going to work together to find an agreement. Right. You two are both made more like Xcha can generally kind of maybe once their hero and commander un unlocks can maybe take agendas by themselves. But usually the table could band against them. So all Xcha needs is one buddy to vote with them on stuff, which means they want to give one person their commander to boost that person's thing. And you also have bonus votes. So the two of you are a bit of a natural voting block 
that can do a lot because you come out swinging with a big massive first vote x child's in your pocket nobody can even choose to do anything else you two have already locked up the vote at the beginning of the agenda phase or the uh, at the beginning of each agenda yeah that's just another reason to pick a high influence slice yeah um because yeah it it does make a lot of sense that you you sort of have this disadvantage when it comes to the agenda phase but yeah if you make friends with extra your disadvantage can become a sizable advantage yeah um titans is a commander that uh it's the one where every time you produce you get a trade good we got a lot of tiny production that we can kind of just make money on we're also cheap so making a little bit of money every time we produce is not a horrible idea yeah you you've written it here matt as uh this helps out our death by a thousand cuts economy yeah and that is a really good way to put it the argent (laughs) flight economy is a death by a thousand cuts just constantly skimming off the top basically and titans means we're putting money right back into our own pockets uh the cabal alliance is a really cute one because it uh makes hollow lattice that much better hollow lattice's main drawback is those forward pds well it's only one unit that planet is one single production but cabal you build to infantry and ignore your production capacity so that means right. i i can triple my total production value on a planet with the cabal alliance alone so i actually this is maybe this is my second favorite because the next one we have to talk about is the jolnar combo which is like the infamous combo which mm-hmm. uh you have noted in our thing is way better for you i don't know why jolnars are so willing to uh yeah. hop on this deal this alliance swap <laughs> Yeah, I think Argent is a natural friend to the Jolnar, um, and I think that the swap, it's cool when it happens, and I think Argent gets a lot out of it, but I think Jolnar gets less, which is very strange. So I would encourage you to generally play really nice with Jolnar to yeah. try and make the alliance swap happen. Yeah, Give them a, a good time. Be nice to them. Right. Give up whatever you need to in order to make that happen because it makes your PDS network completely insane it also bugs everybody else yeah. at that table uh, <laughs> if you if you just, and jolnar are sandwiching someone you end their game you give them no options <laughs> yeah if anything i think that is why jolnar doesn't mind doing it because first off jolnar's already getting the better end of so many de- they're just making handover sure. fists. they are the sure. clear enemy of the table what's one lopsided deal out of their favor to them right if it also mm-hmm. means kind of in an entanglement perspective Listen, if they can't touch my stuff and they can't can't touch Argent's stuff, they can't accomplish goals at the table. And Argent and I can, and I'll probably beat Argent economically, basically. So, yeah, I don't think it's a horrible deal for Jolnar, although it is obviously lopsided. Right. Um, And then last one we got here is the Arborek Commander does work with Hollow Lattice, which is worth noting. Yeah. Uh, I think mostly because the Arborek Commander almost never gets right. This isn't good. This isn't good. This is just like, oh, you can actually kind of use it. Like, it's not that you're going to go looking for it. It's that you might hear an Arborek being like, wait, wait, you over there, Arjun, do you want this? Do you want this, please? (laughs) You can use it. You can actually use it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We've done all of our overviews, but let's come back after the break and talk through the actual game, the early, mid, and late game. Hi, welcome back. Hello, what's up? We're going to do it. It's time to talk through the rounds. I want to talk about what we actually do as the yeah. Argent Flight, and we will start with round one, around we have the capability 
to really get off to the races, as we've talked about. We're going to talk about custodians. We're going to talk about trade relationships. We're going to talk about getting into faraway places with our destroyers. So what yeah. strategy cards best fit the bill for that plan, depending on our position? Right out the gate is leadership. Um, I'll give my take on leadership. I don't, we don't need it. We don't need. We always like tokens. Tokens are good. Token, especially if we like get det. We want to send destroyers all over the place. That would be cute and fun. Um, mm -hmm. But we have two influence at home. We need a single. We don't even need a single trade good. We have a one one and a zero two. At any point, we can just afford one extra token. And round one, all you ever really need is one extra token to like do all the things you need to do and have a really great tight round. It would cost you a buck, but you can, if you can assume you're going to make your trade money back, I just don't think you need leadership, even though I'll never balk at taking leadership. Yeah, there's a situation, there's a time for leadership um, with Argent, and I think it's a time where Diplo is taken, you're going to be able to trade, uh, perhaps you have a blue skip, mm -hmm. uh, so that you're able to get gravity drive uh, on round one. Um, which is not that weird of a situation. That's basically no. just a blue skip opening for Argent Flight. Right. And in that situation, the odds of you getting custodians could be off that, which is kind of cool to be like, okay, I took leadership, so I'm already ahead on token economy. And guess what? Round two, I have Mechtal Rex. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't hate it. That's a couple things that need to be true. And a lot of the other options we're going to talk about, especially for custodians round one, are way more self-sufficient. Yeah. I mean, how many how many things are we talking about for leadership there? We're talking about Diplo popping. We're talking about tech popping. We're talking about maybe warfare secondary needed. That's a lot of stuff. That's yeah. a lot of stuff. So we yeah. don't want to be that dependent on the rest of the table in order to take custodians, but it is an option. Yeah. Uh, if with Diplo, uh, like you said, Diplo can enable a custodians grab. I will say Diplo's the kind of thing for me where you got to work out some of the timings early on with it because yep. a Diplo by itself for you sucks, right? If you're if your Diplo is one of those things where it really only affects your home system, which like sometimes we choose a fact, you know, a Barony Diplo is a different thing than an Argent Diplo because the yep. planets in our home system we can refresh are, are way different. We ideally are not intending to refresh any of our planets in our home system and it's all the stuff we take elsewhere is much juicier and more valuable of a Diplo. So... That has to kind of be true for Diplo to end up in your hands. Yeah. I think of Diplo as the difference between getting custodians round one and not getting it. Yeah. And take it. Uh, otherwise, we would rather somebody else take it. And, you know, in a last pick situation, I don't hate construction for us. Yep. Nice setup. Obviously, the thing that's interesting about Argent is that when you come to that, that round one situation... You can really think about custodians round one a lot. Mm -hmm. That's going to be what I feel like is just going to be mentioned is the potential each time. Are we getting it round one? Yeah, basically, um, because we would love to have that kind of tempo as opposed to regular style tempo. Yeah, the normal tempo. I, I hate every game is Argent. I don't have custodians. To be fair, I hate every game where I do have custodians because then everyone's mad at me the whole time and I never make a single friend, but whatever. That's a, that's a problem of a different uh, situation. Let's talk about politics. We're talking about Argent being good at custodians round one. But politics is the pick that would essentially negate... I mean, you're not usually taking custodians round one if you took politics. However, obviously, if Diplo wasn't on the cards, politics means first action custodians round two if nobody else is a round one custodians faction so it's not like politics doesn't have a place at all right um so 
it has you have to look at the situation before you and know what the custodian's grab looks like basically yeah um and i think there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of times where you can make that assessment and be like i'm probably gonna be the one the, the thing i like about politics too is anytime we're talking about a round one custodian's faction if they end up not being it then okay maybe that speaker token into round two becomes uh imperial or god knows what that is yeah. going to help us set up to have better tempo in the late game yeah um on our own well and not just tempo it's less important round one but i will know i've said it a few times we're really good at the stage ones like we're we are very likely to be in a comfortable position all game long and we don't hardly need strategy cards game long to help us with that which means we are a play the politics speaker token game we we yeah. we are a mid-game politics grab kind of faction which means sometimes starting that round one so that it's in your court you know maybe won't backfire on you although i think generally a round one politics backfires on you more than not like i think the round one politics grab is not usually in a good speaker position in the late game because of how the speaker token moves from there but it's there's a lot of randomness to that so anyway yeah and i i, I don't know that i agree with that to be honest sure. i think that i think that if you prioritize speaker uh you can keep it yeah going well for you even if you were speaker round two yeah um but yeah it just depends if if, if somebody locks it down right after you which i feel like that's like something you have to assess right you have to right. look at your neighbor and say like how how solid are they going to be at the first two public objectives yeah and if they're really solid at them then they might choose speaker order over everything and then yeah you might get stuck um but yeah i don't know just depends yeah next up is construction uh which we've already said is good it's it's not a first pick it's not like a cabal situation where it enables us round one to do crazy things we couldn't otherwise do but it's a great last person to get it kind of thing um i i i like getting the pds on the forward planet or especially in my equidistant you know i take an equidistant with my two destroyers and you know get it get a juicy pds there that's going to fire three towards my neighbor if they want to come argue with me about it um I, it's it's never bad yeah, I think that in a last pick situation, if round one custodians is not possible, I take construction pretty yeah. much every time. If I if Diplo is out there, I want it to be because we're doing round one custodians. Yeah. Just in general. Not even it doesn't matter whose hand it's in. Yeah. I think that should be our goal. But yeah, if that's not an option, construction all the way. It's a good option. Yeah. Uh that's a last pick situation. A first pick situation it's just trade actually turns out money we like it we like it a lot we don't even need it but this enables everything for us especially because of the awkwardness of our home system and the way our money is allocated trade mm -hmm. frees us we can do tech we can do warfare we can do leadership we can do every single thing and we get to choose the timing for all of it like we, we are just we are fine across the board and like i said earlier we are also sending stuff into areas that most people aren't necessarily getting to, which means we very often have more neighbors than someone else with trade might have early game. So we can have a really good round one because we might get a few more X minus ones than a normal person would get. Right. Um, the Christmas land with trade, we could talk about that for the next hour if we wanted to. <laughs> um, there's a lot of good stuff that can work out for you. Don't forget that with trade, we can spend our influence at home to grab a CC pretty reliably yeah um we and what's kind of annoying for us though is i will say when we use a trade ship we're sort of saying okay well yeah. this isn't this isn't 
exploring any new planets for us either. Right. Um, but hopefully the ideal situation is you have something in the equidistant that you can take and uh, sort of also trade. So yeah. it's like, that's another kind of complication on everything else. But in general, trade is versatility and it's going to help set you up and possibly even get you custodians as well. Yeah. Like you're, if, if trade gets you custodians, it also gets you probably plastic and tech, which is insane. Right. Yeah. I'll, I will note uh, some of my favorite tournament maps we've ever made are the ones where wormholes are in all of the equidistance, right. which specifically puts Atlas, Quan, and Lodor in the equidistance with the wormhole. And I be I don't remember actually exactly if that's when Teddy's Argent win in the finals was one of those kinds of maps. I feel like it was. I'll probably just be proven wrong. I'm not even looking at it. But the point is, that's a great spot for Argent. I go, right. I take the equidistant. It's a wormhole that unlocks me to be near all these other people there's so much that can happen. Other people just have to send their trade ship to their empty alpha. Suddenly we're neighbors. We do a lot more trading. And I locked in an equidistant. I can jump on Malice anytime I want. I mean, that is like an ideal situation uh, for them. So, yeah, very good. Let's talk about warfare then. I think you and I differ a little bit here because I feel nervous about warfare, but I suppose... Your, the crux of your argument, as it has been with a couple of these, is, is I mean, it's custodians, like, all the way. This, this is the custodians mm -hmm. unlocker more than anything else. Yeah, I think in a situation where I, I'm confident that Diplo is going to be picked or I'm sitting next to trade, I really like the potential of warfare paying off with custodians. I mean, it's basically like a lock, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not even complicated. Yeah. It's just, like, all we need is uh, three, three trade goods... Um, which we might, who knows, maybe we'll industrial explore or yeah. even hazardous explore and get it even that way. Yeah. Um, who knows? Uh, but it feels very accomplishable with warfare. And I know that when I say this, I could get some pushback from people being like, oh, well, we're not getting plastic or tech. I would say that in this situation, what you're hoping is that well, since I only sent one Strike Wing Alpha 1 with one infantry right. to take Mechatol Rex, I haven't actually overextended that much. Right. You know, like it's, and also we got a CC back. Um, yeah. It's not like we have overspent uh, command counters. So hopefully we even did build a little bit at home or alternatively got PDS 2. So now suddenly, like, we are defending our slice. Right. We're probably um, fine. It's not stacked. We're not some like plastic, you know, behemoth in, in round two, but like we're fine because our PDS is good enough and, and our stuff is good enough that no one's going to come jumping on us. Most of the factions don't have grav drive yet. They're not going to be able to do anything anyways. It's it's hard to punish us when we send a dollar and a half to take Mechatol. <laughs> right. Right. And even if they do punish you, it's like, Okay, well, you're going to have to come in on the home system, which is going to take a while. Yeah. Um, and I feel like PDS2 really helps with the survivability. When when someone breaks into a slice with three PDS shots, it's don't even just think about the shots when they come in. It's also the shots when you take it back. Right, you refire. Is, yeah, like that. that is really potent. And it makes a lot of times where people are like, oh, they... They do the math and they're like, this is not even worth right. like going in there because I'm not going to be able to hold it. Yep. Uh, technology is the, the final option here for us because we ignore Imperial in round one. 
Uh, obviously, it saves us four bucks and a token, which yep. is nice. Uh, you know, we would like it, it's nice when you can take tech and instead you do the secondary of warfare and construction. This is all assuming that uh, we, we are not probably doing custodians at this point. If you're taking tech, that's probably the case. I would feel like, you know, you're, you're not necessarily getting the benefit of Diplo or anything, although it's, it's always possible. So if you have a blue skip, though, yeah. here's the thing. I like tech a lot if you have a blue skip in your slice. Right. So if you have a blue skip in your slice and you feel like you might luck out and Diplo gets taken, although because a lot of the times when you're taking tech, you're like first or second pick, right? Maybe third pick. Um, so you're hoping that that blue skip pays off. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but still, you got tech, which is not horrible. We're not we're not super tech deep. No action. Um, there's only like a couple core techs, but I do stand by the fact that some of that stuff we talked about in supplemental tech, you're going to need. Right. I just don't know what it is in a vacuum. It's an awkward basically. timing thing because again, yeah, you don't, you don't, you can't obviously look at the deep tech and be like, I need that stuff, and you also don't have a need for a tech round one. The only tech right. I've ever found myself needing round one is airy hollow lattice. If I'm trying to do some very specific production thing, I don't even, I can't even explain to you what that would be. I just know I've felt it a couple times where it's like, well, I can just get airy hollow lattice. That's better than getting PDS two in this instance, right? Because I'm getting tech anyways or whatever. But yeah, usually there's like, it doesn't feel like a rush on tech. And then you get to round three and you're like, why didn't, why am I not further ahead <laughs> to get this, you know, th this supplemental tech? It's, it, it is a, it's a yin yang situation of you don't necessarily, you could be spending that money on other stuff, but it's good to be in the solid position later where you then start filling in those supplementals uh, when you know you need them or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I think tech is fine, but there's just so many other things that are maybe better. Yeah, I think it would be something like trade, warfare, politics, and tech being on like about the same level yeah. with there being a lot of like unknowns there. Right. Um, and then everything else, leadership, which construction, diplo, construction, construction, leadership, and Diplo kind of hanging out in a very similar place. Yeah. But the problem is that I think you could have any strategy card as Argent yeah. and round one might work out for you. And then it might not. It's like very easy to craft all these different scenarios where custodians happens and then custodians doesn't happen. And I hope if this conversation felt like, oh, I felt like I don't even know what strategy card to pick. That's actually good. It's fine. It's fine. Because it's what's more important is recognizing the different variables for custodians for Argent. Yeah. That's the important thing. Uh, and and I do think I want to stress that there is actually a desire to focus on that because what I think Argent lacks is a lot of ways to find other bonus points elsewhere. We're not some sort of scan link faction generally speaking. We're not good at agendas so we can't like easily get a uh, political censure or whatever it's called. you know we can't get that victory mm -hmm. point. Like some of them are hard for us to control. We can't rely on them. And we have we will get to it later, but it's not like I have a ton of confidence in stage twos either, unless we focus like all game on long on having like a really solid plastic situation. So for me, that custodian's bonus point is like we got to jump on it right away because it's maybe our last opportunity we'll ever see. I can't tell you how many times I've played as Argent and stalled out at nine with just nowhere to go. It happens right. all the time. And if I had just taken the custodians and accepted then I'm going to be kind of the enemy of the table. You will be. It's going to be a meta problem. But I think Argent is the faction that can eat that meta problem, can survive it uh, more so than some other factions. You have the defensive capabilities if you focus on them to do that. So let's talk about some of this positioning and, and what we do to sort of 
protect ourselves and what we can do throughout the game as well, right? So we, we, let's even imagine the situation where we did we took custodians, but all it cost us was a destroyer and an infantry to go do that. Okay, at home right. was looking pretty good then, right? Yeah, so this is when upgrading to Strike Wing Alpha 2 and PDS-2 are really going to help with our survivability. Um, we already have some Strike Wings out uh, at, at various planets in our home system. Yeah. And hopefully... We're starting to focus on following construction and getting a little PDS network uh, set up. Once you have a PDS network set up, um, I, I myself prefer placing PDS on tech skips that I know I'm not going to want to sell. Yeah. Um, so that's something that is definitely worth doing or placing them on planets where we have attachments are Absolutely. important. Absolutely. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Plan for that three attachments. You probably won't get it, but it'd be great if nobody else can take them from you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... Those are definitely things you want to think about. Um, but getting like a few PDS outside of your home system uh, is going to make it so that basically everyone looks at your slice. And until the late game, they're going to be thinking that's way more trouble uh, than it's worth. Yeah. Uh, and then by the late game, I feel like there's a big priority that we should place on having a pretty high fleet pool. Uh, Strike Wing Alpha 2's, the reason that they get outpaced in the late game is that while they are good units... They do not have sustained damage, right? And they can only carry one thing, and HP ultimately is what matters. Yep. So you need to make sure that you are not being out HP'd by yep. your opponents. You have a lot of things to close that gap, but if you don't have a high fleet pool, then it's you're not actually going to win the fight in the end. You can carve up other people's HP, but that does not mean you survive the next round. <laughs> like you can right. take out, you might just end a lot of fights in a draw is the problem. And you need to win fights, not draw them. So you need to get excess HP there, yeah. Yeah, let's say I got three dreads. I'm, pl I'm going up against three dreads. Um, and they, let's say they all have fighters. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wipe all those fighters out, and I'm going to sustain the dreads. But at the at the end of the day, you're still going to be fighting. Once you get to on regular eight combat, or a seven, yeah, it's going to be I'm on eights and they're on fives. Yeah. So like, you got to make sure that you have a fleet pool advantage in order to like actually win. Yep. Once we get to combat time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I this is where I think I fail the most is like in that round three scenario, start turning that money into carriers and fighters or dreads or whatever it needs to be like whatever path you, you foresee. I don't think ahead well enough in the what fleet do I need in round five and I need to start building it in round three kind of thing. And that's why I always right. end up with a bad plastic situation in the end game. And so it, it's definitely a thing to focus on, especially as Argent, because you will qu quickly feel yourself become not enough with your with your destroyers. Right. And that's why I think Hollow Lattice ultimately is a really good round three or round four tech to pick up because you could get Hollow Lattice, build a few pieces of plastic in key locations, mm -hmm. and then sort of say, okay, I have these extra ships in addition to my cheap Strike Wing Alpha 2s that will actually help me, you know, get the job done. Yeah. Um, it's especially fun to put a PD, an Argent PDS on like a weird planet. Like, let's say you got to like Malice or yeah. like some wormhole planet and then later be like, I'm going to build a dread there. Now I'm staying. <laughs> Guess what? I'm not only annoying, but I'm staying. Yeah. You know? And don't forget that if you did a crazy enough tech path, that could just be a war sun. That could be a war yeah. sun there. Hey, guess what? Who it's knows? out on the front lines to go do something else. Uh, do we want to talk about kind of our agenda watch, which has been a, a newer featured segment we've been doing for this mid-game discussion, is like, do we have special honorary mentions of agendas to either look out for because we like them 
or we want to be mindful of when they come out. This is uh, essentially my pitch to like also like doing speaker shenanigans because you can also check on agendas. Because I do think there's a couple of agendas that are super annoying uh, for Argent Flight, and it would be nice Absolutely. to dig, you know, bury them in the deck. Um, yeah. So the first one up is representative government, which is the one where it takes everyone and turns them into only having one vote. Notably, that doesn't do anything to your zeal uh, in terms of voting timing. It removes yeah. all of your bonus votes. No one can use bonus votes. So it takes away the thing that swayed it to be sometimes okay and kept only the worst part of your yeah. agenda phase ability. So representative government, if you care about the agenda phase, which some games you don't, it can be fine, but representative government is awful for Argent because they're voting first with a single vote every single time. Yeah, it sucks. You don't want to see it. Try and get rid of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you get rid of it, but right. hopefully you're in, I don't know, you're in cahoots with an extra or or in cahoots with somebody with a lot of votes. Make yeah. friends with the high influence right. factions at the table and hopefully y'all can uh, stop this from being a thing. Yeah. Uh, next up is rearmament agreement and articles of war, which we bring up actually all the time, especially with POK factions, because it turns out POK right. factions all have good mechs. Good mechs. And uh, these are the mech agendas, and it's just as bad as ever. We would like our mechs to have their printed abilities, and we would like them to not get killed uh, with these two different agendas. So don't let the bad side that hurts your mechs happen. Don't. I, I can't tell you how again you vote first you have very little control over this but if you're yeah. taking politics bury these they're not going to turn out in your favor the table will find a reason to hurt you with them if you're in an even remotely good position yeah your mechs are good so people will try and take that away from you yeah um next one is regulated conscription which is the one that makes it so that you can only produce one infantry or one fighter which i will say on the side for us we can actually survive like this doesn't yeah. matter so much to us because hollow lattice means most of the time when we make infantry or fighters, one. we can only build one anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does make it so that whenever the enemy comes to attack us, our Strike Wing Alpha 2 nine, hitting on a 9 or 10 ability might be more significant. Yeah. But overall, I would say regulated conscription is kind of just a kind of unimportant yeah. agenda. It, it's not a big deal, but it's cute when you get it to go for so that then everyone's a bit more trepidatious about attacking you but it's not like it's a game changer if they have to attack you they will that's how the game works <laughs> at right. the end of the day uh, our last one there's a couple pds things we're not so pds focused that i'm like worried about i mean obviously we do not care about the one that unlimits the number of pds on a planet but enforced travel ban is the one that kills all pds in or adjacent to wormholes that like can ruin our game. That can be it. Yeah, Sometimes the only that. defense we have is all of these big PDS two roles protecting us in the mid game. And enforced travel ban can completely upend all of that if our slice is uh, in the bad position for it. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes too, there's no way around it being a problem. Like I would know if somebody told me, "Oh, I make sure to only place PDS away from wormholes <laughs> because I'm worried about enforced travel ban." I'd be like, "No, no, you don't. Don't think like that. That's that's not even worth it." And plus, a wormhole might just pop out somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. They just appear. Yeah. So whatever. Okay. Well, let's talk about late game then. Let's actually focus our discussion on the objectives we are trying to score. What do we? having difficulties with that we need to adjust for and all that. I think we've spent a lot of time saying in general stage ones we are good at. So let's kind of go over like, so what bad, that yeah. means. Why are we good at them? Yeah. So I think controls great because we start with two movement units with capacity. Yep. So like 
that that means that we can if a control objective especially comes out early we could go ahead and try and score it maybe before our neighbors can do that mm -hmm. which is great um, we also defend pretty decently. But the fact that we can sneak a mech onto a planet at a weird time yeah. means, uh-oh, SpaghettiO for everybody else. Right. Um, we get the easiest push push boundaries. Like, e I would say <laughs> even easier than Hakan because Hakan still has to, like, especially in a round one situation, is kind of limited to just taking uh, one system away from their home system. Yes. But Argent, we're moving to, right. and... We got three planets at home. Push boundaries is like our favorite. It's easy. Um, if you can't score it, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, Hunter, I'm in an async game right now, and we're going into round four, and push boundaries just came out, and I don't know how I'm going to score it. So that's a fun Matt, little thing. Come on, everybody's what, got what do you like mean? everybody's got the Riggles and the Devils, and Hakan is in the game, oh. and just like everybody, there's just a lot of planets out there. Turns out, also, you're talking specifically about a round one. Round one push is like the dream. We're talking yeah. about. We're talking about round four push, which is like a, a significantly more a nightmare kind of awkward thing. Although I will note, I'm like I'm like one planet swap away, so I c I could probably pull it off. But yeah, it's whatever. It's funny that you had to say if, if you're crazy if you can't push boundaries, and I'm like, um, yes, okay, I'll go fix that then. Uh, let's talk about economic objectives then. Um, I mean. No one likes an economic objective, right? They're not fun for anybody. We would rather right. spend money on stuff that impacts our game. However, we can survive them just fine. We build cheap units. We don't yeah. need a lot of tech, so we can skip a tech round if we need to to afford an economic objective. We are punished less. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say that because we're so cheap and scrappy, uh, when economic objectives come out, we're just sort of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'll sp I'll spend it on that. Right. That's that's not going to slow me down too much. It's kind of explicitly a stage one situation, though. I will know. Yes. We're, we're not talking about stage twos. That's a that's a beast of a different color. But but yeah, in in this early game stuff, uh, eight bucks, we can probably find eight dollars somewhere. Right. Um, tech, not really an issue for us. We we want PDS two and we want Strike Wing Alpha two. Um, and then Hollow Lattice is an easy uh, second yellow or two red, two yellow, which mm -hmm. is the coolest way to score that objective. <laughs> um, you can throw some blue in, I guess. Uh, I feel like overall, though, it's not actually necessary. Two tech and two color. We can do red, yellow all yep. day. Yep, it's easy. Uh, and structures, guess what? We've been talking about it all day. We we're, we plan to have them out there, which means we like them. Uh, it's, not, it's not a problem at all to put... PDS outside of home. Guess what? Those are all right. forward docks for us. Every PDS we put on a forward planet is a great opportunity for us. So yeah, that's that's why all of it is so simple. Stage ones are just not a big deal at all. We started with lead from the front. That's the worst one. That's always the worst one though. But I will say, uh, uh, even in that situation, Argent has three influence at home. Like I'm getting an extra counter per round. So right, whatever. Right. Yeah. There's you have so even a soft caveat for like every problem <laughs> uh, objective. But let's talk about secrets. Uh, secrets are really cute because we're pretty good at all the action phases, especially we are specifically good at the three hardest action phase secret objectives. Turn their fleets to dust. We got bonus rolls and bone plasma scoring and all that. Fight with precision. We get bonus rolls. Remember when Hunter right. reminded you that your AFB has a bonus roll? You have that right. and we're probably getting Destroyer too. Sounds really great. Demonstrate your power. Our Dreadnoughts have bonus rolls. One Dreadnought rolls three times. That's literally the best. That's the best opportunity we have at this. Like if you get your Jolnar promissory note on this too, I mean your Jolnar right. Alliance, you're unstoppable with these three secret objectives yeah i think what you meant though was for make an example i said i said demonstrate where, your power my brain yeah, yeah yeah 
demonstrate your power is also easy for us, but it's, yes. I mean, it's easy for everybody. I feel like, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, also notably occupy the fringe, uh, is not good for us. Actually. Sorry. <laughs> it's sort of weird. There. It's a conflict, right? It's cause I think on the face of it, it seems okay. Right. Our PDS build. Ooh, that means okay. we can build there. How off, how much do they build though? Oh, one at a time. One, one, nine times. There's not that many rounds. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really going to happen. The agent sort of helps a little bit, a little. but it, it just doesn't, there's not that many. And also the thing is too, I feel like we're like, while we have a lot of capacity, it doesn't move that many things that quickly. Right. Um, which is a little bit off-putting. Uh, there's also those two agenda phase secret objectives. Um, I mean, we don't love them. Obviously, we, we suck at getting leverage in the agenda phase. I wouldn't chalk these up to the difficulty of like some other people who have difficulty with secret objectives, but there's especially the one where it's uh, get yourself voted. That's pretty annoying. Um, mm -hmm. However, what I will note with that is your early vote does have power with nothing burger agendas. Very right. often you slapping all but one of your votes on a thing, right? It's like that can be like 15 quick easy votes or even more right you have your plus six it's like 20 votes on a thing that nobody cares about they're not even right. gonna fight you for it and if it's if it's an elect player but something nobody cares about you might just get it right the the like minister of policy or whatever you can just like have that because nobody's gonna fight you for it um and so yeah you you that one i think you have a possibility to do it and uh it, at very little cost because the table is just gonna let you get away with it basically yeah um also we have to talk about produce on mass sure um we don't want to get space stock too um we're kind of making our our way in the world with low production capacity yeah and i think i'd prefer to keep it that way so if we draw this secret i feel like it's kind of antithetical yeah. to our whole thing um we could throw down more stuff in home and that doesn't necessarily have to be space stocks right because no not quite it's actually incredibly annoying because the way the math checks out with just airy hollow lattice at home let's say you even put a second pds on your third planet this is mm -hmm. where that thing we mentioned earlier where it's one structure grants the whole planet one production and you one can't production. boost it any any more than that so your space stock is on a two resource planet that's two production plus two for the space stock plus one for yonder uh airy hollow, airy lattice. hollow lattice and then the yeah. two other planets each get one from their two pds's and that's seven that's not eight which means you oh have to God. double dock home to get this one you have to double dock anywhere to get this one your pds aren't enough of any sort of production boon to make this happen so it's like it has to be space dock two or it has to be a double dock somewhere and i don't know about you hunter i like I so far I haven't built a forward dock. I'm I'm kind of subsisting yeah. on just my PDS that are forward and my mm -hmm. space dock at home. My destroyers have the range to get where they need to get later in the round. So yeah. I'm not really getting any other space docks. So yeah, produce on mass is maybe the worst offender of all of the secret objectives here. It's the only way I would like it is if it was I'm winning in round four status phase and it's my final secret to score. Right. If that just, makes sense. Just drop the space dock at home. Just drop whatever. the space dock at home and then all I have to do is defend my space dock in order to to win the game. That yeah. sounds okay and actually a pretty good situation for Argent in particular. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well let's talk then about stage twos because we I think we have to, because like I said, a lot of games can stall out. If you for some reason didn't get custodians, uh, like me in my async game right now, I'm already like, okay, it's just gotta be stage twos. I just have to sit here and plan for them and I have no idea what they're gonna be. How do we fare? 
Uh, I think we fare okay. We have a decent shot. I don't think we have a better shot than a lot of other factions. The big reason for this is, Hunter, you said it earlier. We're not actually like great at taking planets from other people. We don't, you know, unless we, that, that's why the carrier two thing becomes so important, right? Is we actually need to bring a handful of extra infantry to actually accomplish mm -hmm. taking important planets from people. So the only way we're doing big control objectives in the late game is if we relied on more than just our standard baseline tech path. We had to go dreadnoughts or carrier twos to accomplish any of our goals end game. Well, let's, let's start with our obvious advantages and then kind of work down yeah. to there. We have a reason to go after structures that doesn't have anything to do with objectives, which yep. means whenever the stage two turns objective-wise, that's good for us. Right. Um, we're not always going to have that many structures out, but it definitely can keep us in the pack. Right. It's, it's specifically for both of them, it's five outside of home, right? We started with two, which means if we build five outside of home, we have seven for one, and we have five outside of home for the other, and that's a very easy goal to accomplish as an Argent, I would say. So it's very easy to just lean into those uh, as much as you want. Yeah, um, so I would say that those are definitely an option. Um, there is uh, any objective having to do with uh, like controlling the airspace yes. is like kind of a, a, there's like a good side and a bad side to this. Strikewing Alpha 2s, especially if there's not that many of them, can kind of max out in a, their effectiveness in the late game. But we built a PDS network meaning that the likelihood that maybe that PDS network is covering uh, some empty systems, uh, systems that do not contain planets yeah. or edge systems is decently high. Um, and if that ends up working out for us, then we still have a fighting chance at scoring those. Now, those are just kind of hard in general yeah. for like pretty much everybody except for like a SAR with chaos mapping and asteroid fields in the right place. Yep. So like, it's it's going to be a bit of a fight, but I do think that there are going to be some games where it's like, ooh, Argent is going to have the easiest time at the table with that one. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we are generally prioritizing higher influence stuff, which means ideally... Maybe we're not too bad at, at stalling out rounds to then jump on these things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hopefully we have a robust token economy, lots of tokens and tactics, although we have maybe over-invested in fleet more than a normal faction has, right? right. We, we, we probably have, like, a token or two more than most people around us. But hopefully that's part of a very healthy token economy that means we can kind of stall do a lot and wait wait things out maybe we've taken politics a lot too so we have actually kind of a boosted action card hand so that's the stuff that i think leads in our favor for control objectives is like we can be relevant at the end of the round um our hero is an action to do right there's a, there's one extra stall kind of sneaking its way in there um the stuff i don't like is very much the economics uh obviously yeah. the tech but we don't even have to go there three three unit upgrades is fine um but the the 16 resources, all of that stuff is tricky. Uh, spend six influence, spend six resources, spend six trade goods. That's probably not so bad, but that's not bad for anybody. That's the one people win off of all the time, hold vast resources. But I don't think we very often have like a big stockpile of, at the very least, resources. Maybe, maybe uh, we have influence. Yeah, we don't really have a reason to have that. So um, yeah, the likelihood that we're going to... Also, our, our home system is so poor yep. that we don't really have any inherent advantages i would say there um so yeah that part is tough it is nice that our our fleets are cheap but by the time we get to the late game we're not building the cheap stuff anymore yeah, exactly so yeah i would say economy as far as stage two twos go we're kind of below average at which is a bummer because like you said all the other um 
factions. That's like their favorite mm-hmm. category. Yep. So given that, I really want to reiterate that we our strengths are tempo. Yep. That is gained most easily by taking custodians. Exactly. If you do not take custodians, oh, how do you fix that? Well, maybe you grab DET. Yep. Maybe you maybe you get you you hope to uh, have some easy secrets yeah. and uh, go plant yourself on Mechadol Rex and pick that up on, you know, round three or even round two yeah. um, if you did not get the custodian's point. I think it's something that you kind of have to do more often than not with Argent. Yeah, honestly, I, I think even given our recent Nasroka guide, like there's a part of me that leans Argent's comfortable enough in so many areas that maybe there's even more of a need to push the gambling a bit. I mean, it depends on your game, but like, we didn't talk about Scanlink much, and I, I'm not getting it in my game. I don't see the need for it. But, like, there's an argument there of, you know, if you could get the Obsidian, if you could get the Shard, you can probably defend the Shard. The, the Obsidian is that nice, juicy bonus point with Secret Objectives you can probably accomplish. You would It would be great if you could easily find those other bonus points. It's just they don't perfectly, neatly fit within all the other stuff we're doing. But maybe we can kind of afford to gamble with them every once in a while, depending on your game. Again, all of this is predicated on the sense that we could not do custodians at all. We're already working from an uphill situation. We're trying to fix a problem. And there's a part of me that, at least from from my tastes, I don't like sitting around waiting on the stage twos. That's what makes me like not as good of a player as I have no patience. So I'm probably Mm. more prone to like looking for other avenues to find points. I know in my game, I've been taking politics every round. Part of me is like, oh, I want to avoid nasty agendas. Actually, I'm just digging for bonus points. I want seed. I want mutiny. I want that stuff to come out because that might be the only way I find a bonus point in this game because I did not get custodians. So I don't know. I think sometimes maybe you just have to do what you can as Argent. I really want to push back on some of the things yeah. you said there. Um, I think that Argent doesn't, in, especially in a vacuum, I don't think that Argent really has the extra... Um, gas in the tank to go after anything resembling a Nasroka type style. Right. Right. The fact that so much of this has to do with we have cheap fleets that get kind of crappy later in the game, yeah. so we need a high fleet pool, I feel like is one of the things that restricts their options when it comes to the type of gambling uh, style yeah. like stuff that you might see in Nasroka or even like a like a a Hakan or yeah. a Jolnar even go after because those factions have the versatility of we are wealthy, right. basically. Right. We have money and we can invest that money in the casino. Yep. I don't think in, in a vacuum that Argent has enough money to kind of tussle with those. And yeah. I would say that it's why they are not on that level. Yep. They, I would not put them in the highest of, of tiers of Twilight Imperium factions, even though I do think that their suite is pretty good they lack the versatility yeah. of some of those factions. Yeah, yeah. You know, you saying all of that, I think this is a nice little on-topic thing. I did. We never did this. It was an email that came in a little bit later for us recording errata for our Nazroka guide. But I, I want to sell an idea on why Nazroka is so specially equipped to this. So this is like a this is a way out of place errata. But I want to do it here anyways because it's on topic with what we're talking yeah, about yeah. and why Argent kind of fails at this. Uh, this is from Lucretial. Uh, and again, this is about Nazroka. This is about gambling. Just a small piece I wanted to add to the Super Nazroka guide. It's not even a contradiction, just something you didn't me- mention that I think is worth considering. Frequently throughout the guide, you made references to how Nazroka gets to play the odds, flip the coins more than other factions, which usually adds up to 
to value over time. But it's actually even better than that because in a casino, there's no guarantee you'll ever pay off. A coin tossed 200 times could land tails 200 times. And the roulette could land red all night. But there's only so much stuff in the various decks. If we suppose randomly that there are five awful cards in the hazardous, hazardous explore deck, a normal faction might only see those five cards. But Nasroka that pulls 12 cards from that deck over the course of the game is guaranteed to spit out nothing worse than seven decent cards. Being able to play a fixed deck narrows the variance and sets a high floor on the amount of value Nasroka can reliably expect per card on average compared to other factions. Nasroka is not, not gambling. That's not even gambling. Yeah, it's it's not they've gambling. rigged the house. They are you know, insider you know trading. The odds. Yeah. You perfectly know the odds. So yeah, in what way is it? Is it? It's not really gambling in that way. Yeah. And the problem is that Argent doesn't have that kind of tempo right. to ever really know the odds. We're yep. much better served really playing hard on on custodians and that's why in that strategy card uh remember i know that strategy card section on this episode was maybe a little bit sloppier than you're used to and it's because it's not super important which card you take it's what are the variables that add up to you being custodians this round yep that's the important thing yeah look for your blue skips look try and figure out if someone's taking diplo that is like the hardest one yeah mind palace it Okay. Right. Get look ahead. And just take it out. yourself. If you're fourth pick, just grab it. Just be Diplo. <laughs> that's 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 a toughy one. But you know what? If if tech is already in someone's hands, yeah. where you know if you take Diplo, you're gonna have leverage over them as far as timing goes. Right. right. Go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's it's a deceptively tough faction because they very they win plenty often. They're good. But they can have games that just sort of feel like you're spinning wheels the whole time. And it's it's knowing that you have to act early to not let that happen to you, uh, I think, mm-hmm. is the big thing. I think an Argent game is lost by round three, basically. Right. Uh, and maybe you find a way back into it, but not very often. Usually the tempo is just not going to work in your favor, and that's it. It's already too late, basically. Yeah, you're not good at wind slaying. We're not talking about... There's two big things that we did not talk about yeah. during this episode that we would talk about with a normal faction if there was anything to talk about. Wind slaying, you don't really do that. Right. That's just not really... Your hero is is too, too slow. weird. Yeah. It's too weird. It's too complicated. <laughs> you're not going to be able to do it. Number two, uh, exploration. We didn't talk about exploration at all. Right. What is there to say? Yeah. There's nothing. There's I nothing. got nothing for you. Yep. Um, I don't think you have time for scan link. And even if you did, it'd be a waste of tokens. I got nothing for you. Thanks, Jeff Probst. I, I, I appreciate it. That's for our me and me and my survivor friends are laughing right now, Hunter, because you said ah, that. that's that's our ah, that's our thing and we share that's that. Thing. So I want to thank our weird bears, big Al cappuccino, squeamishy Moo, Billy, uh Brassbird, Cabal of Soul, Kaluan, Daryl, Jadim Jedi, Carnal, Necrodice Twice, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, M. Lashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky M44, Rwise, Ryan, and Spirit Thing. And I want to thank our Tinsy Sprouts, Patience is a Virtue, Baldrick, Tautology is what it is, Kraken, Frank G, General Pith, Uncle Batty, Savant and Vince. Uh, Hunter, I've got a quick, easy homebrew review for you today on this, our long Argent guide. Uh, This one is just, so Absol's working on like a whole, clearly there's like an Absol patch in the work. Absol's got Mm -hmm. new relics, new agendas. She's got new tech too, and I wanted to give you the very light adjustment to Absol's neural motivator. Now again, a reason we don't like neural motivator is not just that 
action cards are a little bit of a mixed bag, but also green tech path doesn't go anywhere. And we don't know, I don't currently have the data on what else Absol is doing with the green tech path, but how do you feel about this light change to Neural Motivator? Keep the action card draw, the extra draw, but also Neural Motivator adds three cards to your action card hand limit. Mm-hmm. That's it. I... I like it. I feel like I've seen, I've seen, I, the hand limit part doesn't bug me so much because there's a lot of crap in the yeah. deck anyway. So right. throwing, finding something to throw away is fine. I feel like I like, there's a solution I've seen that's been put out there where somebody's like, oh, we should make neural motivator a, a card that you activate during the action phase as right. an action. Yeah. Yeah. But then draw an action card. Mid round. Mid it's a round. stall. It's some more action cards that could also be stalls themselves. It then combos with bio stems and yeah. allows you to like possibly even mill the deck. It's cute. I think it needs something like that. Yeah, it's funny though because there's a part of me where it's like this neural motivator that Absol is presenting is like at least hey it doesn't make Isarl even more annoying and stupid because plus three to Isarl's hand limit of infinite is nothing. Who cares? Right. Uh, and what you describe is like, oh, really? We're going to give Asarl another stall to, to double up more action cards? It's like, that sounds terrifying, but... Sounds like way more to me, though, Matt, <laughs> and it true. doesn't really matter, yeah. does it? Yeah. Like, I've never they seen Asarl run out of stalls, so <laughs> what? It, giving them one more doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's it's like, who cares? Right, yeah. Uh, okay, here's our agenda phase, then, and this one is relevant because it happened to me, and I want to talk about it, Hunter. Egan, Egan... Egan asks, is fighting to be elected for search warrant worth it? A reminder, search warrant is the agenda that if you are elected, you draw two secret objectives immediately, but then you flip all of your secret objectives over and you play with a publicly displayed set of secret objectives. Are there some factions that are better with it slash need it more than others? Uh, some players famously, Big Al Cappuccino, plays with his secrets face up anyways because he's right. such a schmoozer and he can get so many people to work <laughs> with him on anything that it doesn't matter. I'm playing in my game where, get this, we're going into round four. Imperial has not been taken once. We're going into round four and no one has touched the Imperial strategy card. Everyone is sitting on their only secret objective they've had all game. Uh, mm -hmm. So this came up to me. Not only... I managed to get committee formation, which is the agenda where you get elected and then you get to use this agenda to later pick yourself to be elected right. on a future agenda. I got that. And then the immediate next agenda in the agenda phase was search warrant. And I was like, well, I could hold on to this and try to get political censure later. But you know what? I think I'm just going to take it because I don't know where we're going to go with this imperial business this right. before it hadn't been taken multiple rounds in a row. But I went for it. I said, you know what? Who cares? I'm going to play with my secrets face up. People will work with me. Let's see how we do. So what's your take on the, the search warrant logic? Is it something people should be pining for? I think it's impossible to figure out whether <laughs> it's a good idea or not is really the thing. Um, there's been a lot of games where if people could see my secrets, I would not have won right. at all. Right. Um, and there have been games where it probably didn't matter. And I think search warrant is probably not coming up in a situation where that is the easiest thing to tell yeah. at this point. So I would say it's a bit of a gamble. It's a bit of a coin flip as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I'll tell you when I for sure would do it, which is a situation where I already, I've already gotten like an imperial point. Like, yeah. not a custodian's point, but an imperial point. Mm -hmm. 
I would do it to get secret tempo back. Right. If I had already made some. some sacrifices. Right. Um, but that's kind of about it in, in a vacuum. I'm really 50, 50 on it. Yeah. Um, and if I feel like I have a really juicy secret, like one that I could end the game on, like demonstrate yep. your power, um, when a combat with three ships in the system, I'm probably not wanting it. Cause I'm like, I'd rather save this as a flashy finish. Yep and have everyone know already i think know. that's true if you have an action phase secret in your hand if it's any of them if you have an action phase secret in your hand it's probably a much tougher thing to do i think people are generally decently forgiving with status phase secret objectives because yeah. people are willing to work with public objectives so it ends up working itself into the factor um so i think if you when this comes up if you don't have any action phases in your hand maybe you're a more serious contender for taking this, right? And obviously there's right. a big difference in I only have, in my game, one secret objective. This will be my three, right? And from here on out, I'm only cycling versus what do I already have in my hand? Like, are my secrets already kind of scorable or are they mm -hmm. junk and I need these two extra ones to cycle the junk out? You know, right. I, I think these are all the factors. That's why this isn't a cut and dry answer. Um, what I think overcomplicates it is the fact that because it's so dicey of a proposition no one wants to pay for it that's we're not no. fighting for search warrant we're mm -hmm. raising our hand and saying i'll take i'll be the one i volunteer as tribute kind of thing but it's very hard to justify paying for search warrant because you don't right. know what's on the other side of that yeah it is tough uh i think overall i don't like it because i would prefer to be able to Hollywood at the end of the game. Yeah. And you can't Hollywood if everybody knows everything about you. Right. Um, you got to have something, something be secret so you can tell a little fib. And yep. I feel like I win more off of fibbing than I do telling the truth. Uh oh. Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I didn't. I, we, we're not recording, are we? I thought this was a test run. <laughs> or you're saying I, we put that out there? Oh, man. That sucks for <laughs> oh, me. Beans. Uh, oh, you know what? Well. You know what feels really bad is uh, getting this agenda. And then drawing prove endurance with a sorrel in the game. It's like, this was that already sucks. probably dead, but now a sorrel's just looking at me like, well, yep. just gotta outstall you every single round. I immediately yep. went to Kalu and our sorrel player and was just like, can we talk about this or do, like, just be real with me? Should I just throw it away? Can I not waste both of our times? I'm trying to avoid a stall fest if I'm not gonna actually get anything out of it later on. And of course, you know, no one's gonna tell me anything. Why would they? It's a silly conversation to try to have with someone, but. I just try to level with folks, okay? I'm always just trying to level. Can we just talk to each other honestly here about what uh, our chances are? You're playing as Argent? Yeah. I just don't know what you would offer. Yeah. You would have to like take trade and then like right. maybe like an X plus two or something yeah, like no. that. Maybe. I'm basically I'm basically planning to get rid of it already because it's, I mean, whatever. I got them early and at some point, I mean, I might get Imperial this round, so who knows? It's always funny when we're doing these guides, and I, I'm my research is an async game, and it's like, well, we're still, I don't know, we haven't seen the fruits of the labor yet, Hunter. We're we're still reporting live. Yeah. You're gonna be you're gonna be working on this Argent guide like in two months, and you'll be like, Matt, we already did the episode. <laughs> this like, game's moving very now. fast. I will say, point in async's court recently. I did the horrible alliance game that was very very slow, but that was also because holidays literally like we just had a month of inactivity okay so that's like a different factor we got through three rounds in like less than a week okay so that's async cool. games can move lightning fast all right that's good i think we did round one in a day like all of round one happened in one day 
So that's beautiful. If you got the group that's like chill and just gonna, you know, hey, we all know yeah. what this rap, we know who's doing custodians, we know how this all works out, let's just do it. I ha I actually have an async thing to bring up real quick. So um, we had a game uh, that we were playing a couple days ago. Uh, it was my first Nomad game for research for the upcoming Nomad guide that's gonna be in a little while, like a month or something. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a connection problem at the end and we lost a player and it was like the end, like we're in round five, like in the middle of it. Like this game is almost over. Spoiler: mm -hmm. I'm definitely not going to win, um, unless some really weird stuff goes down. Which actually, actually, it's funny that I say that because I'm literally like one action from just giving up. Um, so that's where I'm at. But uh, basically, there's a new feature that we are testing where we exported yep. our save from Tabletop Playground. How cool is this? Yeah. We are we exported the save from Tabletop Playground and it is in the Async TI4 Discord now. Yeah. So we are finishing a game <laughs> that we started on TTPG yeah. in Async right now. It's beautiful. That is so cool. Yeah. Like yeah. What more do you want, people? Right. <laughs> like what else are what else is this community supposed to deliver unto you? Like we are compared to the Twilight Imperium third edition plebes. Yeah. We are but kings and queens out here. <laughs> we are matriarchs, just like lounging about, you know. We're wearing satin, you know. I'll have it as an async today, but tomorrow I might feel differently. We'll pop it around and see how I feel. Mm, I'm I'm dirty, bathe can me. Can you imagine? That's what we're doing. I don't know if you've tested if it ports back the other way, right? Like, can you export async to TCPG? But I'm, oh I assume. Oh my god, Matt, I assume, are you serious? Well, listen, I assume that will be possible, right? All things are possible oh, yeah, probably. through Daryl. But imagine this the 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 uh split session games right that's another popular way to play we we have yeah. these like different camps oh i'm an async player i'm a split session player i'm gonna sit down and play the whole game why not everybody be everything you split session and action phase and status phase you s send it over to async you have a nice long agenda phase over the next few days over the next week you just do your agenda phase and you come back next week for the next action phase no 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 ifs and buts and agenda phase also gets to be sneaky everyone's spending all week whispering each other it's like literally right. a go behind the curtains and just have all these awful conversations that's like a dream way to play ti a five week game with rounds live in person and agenda phases and sneakiness throughout the rest of the week in async what a beautiful thing yeah, that's awesome. We should be playing Twilight Imperium literally every single way that is possible, <laughs> except for in real in life. In person. Yep. Real life TI is dead, all right? <laughs> it's over. We don't do that anymore. The, the next Twilight Imperium will just be a box with nothing in it and just a code that says, you know what to do with a little winky. Wink? Uh, hey, winky. what's going on with the Galactic Counselors this month? Yeah, so this month for Galactic Council, we've been real experimental with Galactic Council, and it is fun to do. We are going to be doing an off-topic Twilight Imperium stream that is playing Twilight Imperium, but under like a special rule set. Um, we're going to be doing a stream of us doing that on March 18th, starting at approximately 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Here are your options. You can vote on us to play one of these um, game types, and we will. Your first option is Fog of War. If you don't know what this is, this is actually in Tabletop Playground, um, although it's it's going to be a little bit of a test Choppy. just doing it. Yep. Uh, but Fog of War is something where you can you are only aware of the uh, spaces where you have ships, 
And that's what you can see. Yeah. You can see and into you adjacent territories that. as well, right? Like you can see one right. space adjacent. I, I is my understanding. I don't know. I just joined uh, Moose threw me into an async fog of war game. So there's also a server where it's possible to play async versions of this. But the point is we can do a, an I or a, a TTPG game of the same thing. Daryl has it probably working question mark in quotes. Probably. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Um, second option is the classic Frankendraft, of which me and Matt have not played in many years. Since PO, um, since before POK, since long before yeah. POK. Yep. Um, if you don't remember what Frankendraft is, it is a uh, it's basically a way of playing the game where before the game starts, you create a faction out of all the separate components of Twilight Imperium. So you're building your own faction, taking faction abilities and and flagships and commodity values and everything just from all the different factions and assembling it into your Frankenstein yeah. monster. Uh, the third option is called Bunker Draft. Uh, this is something that Daryl has developed that's in TTPG yep. that is... Matt, actually, you need I'll to explain, explain this one because I don't understand yeah. how this works. Take every single home system position, right? On the points, the points of the pie things. Shift every single home system one position clockwise in the third ring. So now, instead of three systems adjacent to home, you have four systems adjacent to home, one of which is like in your pocket. This is all also how like four player game works, right? You're you're right. off center and you've got kind of like a pocket area there that's like harder to get yeah, to maybe. Behind you. It also yeah. forces um all of the spaces around Mechatol. Those are more akin to equidistance. You you are close to two of those at once. And actually what it turns into is the second and third rings are just everybody's territory. So in one way, it's much more turtly, right? Because everyone has a very obvious claim to every single system in rings two and ring three. So the assumption is like, I don't know, PDS might get really good, but that center of the map is just no man's land. Who knows what's going to happen? So essentially bunker draft is with those positions and it's a multi draft with, with that new math in mind. Right. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I'm excited about that one as an option. Last one is another one I'm going to need you to explain, Same. and yep. it is called Red Tape Bureaucracy. This has existed for a long time. I believe Red Tape Bureaucracy predates 4th edition. This is a wow. this is a variant that existed in 3rd edition and has been a long favorite. At one point, this was people's idea for a ninth strategy card, actually, was this, this sort of red tape thing. Um, but it is now, you can choose either a replacement for Diplo or a replacement for Imperial, the card that gets that's doing the replacing does effectively the same thing, which is this. You play with what's what used to be known as Age of Empire rules, which is where every single public objective is revealed from the beginning of the game. We know the scope of the whole game and we can strategize around all of the objectives that are gonna be coming up from the first moment the game starts. However, there is red tape over all of the objectives except for the first two that would normally be flipped, right? We start with the same first two. Everything else is off limits to us, even though we know what it will be once it gets properly untaped. And the bureaucracy right. strategy card has the action to pull the tape from an objective of your choosing. So you get a little bit of control of the selection of objectives available to you. So it's a less swinging you know, going with the punches, it's a, it's a it's a less dynamic way of playing and a more strategic in theory way to play because it's like I know everything I'm going to need to do at some point so I can plan right. for 
all situations accordingly. So there you go. Those are your four options. Again, Fog of War, Frankendraft, Bunker Draft, or Red Tape Bureaucracy. We're going to be streaming that March 18th. Come hang out with us. You've got a very fast turnaround on this one so that yeah, we can start prepping this. We got to make sure all this stuff is going to work properly in a uh, tabletop playground when we play it. We know that all these things are already technically loaded in, but it's not like all of them are uh, perfectly tested. So give us some time yeah. to do that by turning this vote around very quickly. But I'm excited for this one. Kind of an off topic TI stream. Uh, it feels like we haven't I haven't done like a good homebrew stream in a while. And this is even lighter than your standard homebrew. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. Um, but yeah, uh, the poll is going to go, is is already up if you're hearing this right now. And it's going to close on the 15th so that we can actually prepare the game. So you have one week. Please vote. Yep. Um, you can vote on whichever one you like. And then um, if there's a tie, uh, we'll do something else entirely. We'll just play cards. <laughs> we'll just play poker. All right. So don't tie. We'll, it. You we'll don't play One play Night poker. Werewolf with uh, Planet Earth. And that'll be all that yeah. we do. Hey, that'll be it. You can rate us on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find information about our Patreon, our Discord, our merch, everything on our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com. Uh, you probably already heard an ad at the top of this, but I I just want to reiterate it. We got a live show coming up. We'd love it if you came to that live show. You can look for that yeah. live show in the feed after the fact, but if you're in Portland, we sure would love to see you, not just at the live comedy show uh, the Wednesday of March uh, March 22nd, but also we're going to be at Mox Boarding House March 23rd and 24th. I know this is annoying to people listening to this in the year 2024 or something, but I don't care. I want everyone to come to this. It's going to be very, 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 very fun. You can also... Yeah. Send us this Imperium Life Stories to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. Those are stories about things that happen in game that are crazy and fun. I would love to hear the, the big pitch I've been trying is I want people to send me stories of crazy round ones. As no, we don't know how the rest of the game is going to go. I just want to know the best round one you've ever had. The most juicy round one. You, you got custodians and made $500. Whatever it is, I want to hear your crazy round ones. And sometime in the future... We will do a this Imperium life story. And I, I, some people clocked last week that I did not bring up the, uh, the much beguiled and much waiting for qualifier report with me, Matt mm -hmm. Martins. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm like 60 games behind. Okay. You know, we all get it. We all understand. But here's the thing. Trying to prepare a plan here because we are wrapping up the qualifiers and prelims. We're giving a little bit of a window to prep scheduling for the prelims so that we can be really on top of it. Prelims, for everyone listening, prelims will be starting in April. We will not have any prelims games in March. We're stalling things out. It's fine. I'm comfortable with it. I've come to terms with it. The prelims will start in April, which gives me a lot of time to not think about other tournament-related stuff and instead catch up on all of those games I want to record for you and send you. So I'm telling you... Mm -hmm. I can. I know I can do it. I believe hey, in Matt. myself. I'm powerful. I'm strong. Hey, I'm Matt. smart enough. Hey. I'm good enough. Hey, and up. people. And gosh hey. darn it, people like me. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, sure. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> just wanted to let you know about just. I just want to throw this out here. Have you ever heard of cutting your losses? Because <laughs> you could do that right now, and it would be okay. <laughs> no one would be mad. Uh, last year we had, you know, Stads was actually just doing that only. Yeah. We do a whole thing over here. All right. <laughs> we're a podcast. We're YouTubers. We stream. We're a lifestyle brand. Okay. You're talking we, about we, that sunk cost fallacy. Is that what you're talking I'm about? I'm talking <laughs> sunk cost right now. Wouldn't it be cool if instead of having you waste a bunch of time covering 60, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't say waste, having you spend 
a bunch of wasted time, <laughs> let's say it that way, on covering 60 games that have already happened that are in the past that is not hot news uh-huh. anymore. Instead, we just have you preparing for the future. Why not just say you did a, you did bad, you messed up, you're in trouble, okay? But we're going to forgive you uh-huh. when April comes around and we need you to tell us what happened in the prelims. Right. What about that? I here's the only way I'll be appeased. I just need messages in the Discord that say we forgive you, Matt. We just yes. I need that. That's okay. what I need. I need okay. proof that people don't care. Because all forgive I ever Matt. see is what's going on. When are we going to get those episodes? Not yep. the people are nope. being mean. No one's Come being on, mean y'all. about it. It's an internal battle Matt's having over here with uh, standards I set for myself and, oh my and God. failed to commit get to in the episode channel right now and forgive. <laughs> Matt, please. Okay, I need. Did you hear what Matt just said? Matt was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the time to summarize 60 qualifier <laughs> to spend games." No, 40 hours. Can we just? No, we have to move forward into the future. We can't just let the past drag us down forever, Matt. <laughs> you have to clear your. Sometimes, okay. This is just. I feel like. I feel like I'm your dad sometimes. Sometimes, Matt, you gotta look at the sto- the 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 giant pile of papers on your desk, okay? That's stacked up way high, and you gotta just bring the trash can over and throw them away. You gotta clear your desk, buddy. I I just feel like sometimes you gotta do that. You just gotta throw it all away so that you can be better in the future. How do okay. we relate this back to Twilight Imperium? How how is this part life advice and part TI advice? What are the what are the moments in an Argent game you must give up on? You didn't get custodians, okay? This is this is it. This is what I was talking about earlier. You didn't get custodians. Quit wasting your time on investing tokens and scan link. Yeah. And just pray for a stage two, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you this. Something I like uh, that's been happening to me lately is like somebody will be like, I'm gonna attack Hunter on round three. And I'll be like, I'll be like, I don't like this, and I'm mm-hmm. mad now. Mm-hmm. But inside, I'll be like, this is pretty good because now they're not really thinking about me anymore. <laughs> uh, and it all just becomes a little bit of the game is to sort of like fall ba- on your own butt. Oh, I'm but wounded. Kind of, oh, you wounded me. Oh, I'm, I'm ruined. <laughs> Ouchie. Oh, and 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 just kind of fall. It's like you're doing a pratfall, and you <laughs> want to fall in such a way that like, yes, it hurts, but. Very carefully, yeah. we're kind of keeping the good stuff good. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you took all my planets except for the three attachments that will win <laughs> me the game. So that's something. <laughs> that's something I think. Uh, sometimes, I, if I were to give any advice to the to the people that are that are playing against me, is sometimes. I mean, because this is what I do to them. Actually, here's uh-huh. what it is. Here's what I do to you all, the people that play with me. I let you. <laughs> Be the leader. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm like, let's 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 pump them up. I'm like, why should we do anything in round three? Let's leave it to round five. And I'm like doing the math, and I'm like, I'm say, so, oh, oh, so I'll be third to win. Ooh, all I have to do is stop these other two. That's a good way. We're getting That's into a, a meta way. where I'm in a game where no one wants the lead, and everyone is sandbagging so hard. It's Kaluin, it's Carnal, it's Planet Earth, it's Milty, it's Stads, yeah. and everyone is like, I'm look at me. I'm obviously not in the lead, and every I mean, Carnal like specifically didn't score a whole around so it's like see i don't have any tempo and we're all like yeah but it's got to be somebody buster and you got all the right. plastic <laughs> right 
Yeah, yeah. Me and me and Carnal uh, made a pact to next time be friends because we always <laughs> end up being not friends always in games. Fighting. And and uh, it was so funny. We were like almost done with a game, and Carnal whispered me and was like, "Hey, I don't." You remember last time we said actually we were going to be friends? I was like, oh, you're right. We and I just started being like, okay, how do I? Let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's figure it out. Let's be buddies. <laughs>Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.